Welcome to episode 313 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Ooh, 313. Unlucky for some. Well, we are on a roll. Oh, we are. We are on a roll. I, we've done, what, three podcasts in like six weeks or something this like that? This is crazy. I don't know what's happening. It's because of the, it's because of the new Pasadena Palace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Referring to my, my home. Or, <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, actually it does make it a lot easier, right? I mean, so we have a lot more places we can record Yeah. Um, in the house. I mean, in my condo that we lived in for 18 and a half years, there was just uh, my office and that was it. The problem was that once, um, a lot of times you have responsibility for watching Jack on the weekends or for when, times when we would, could re- record. Yeah. And we lived on the third floor. Our condo was on the third floor. And so Jack being a little boy stomps around when he gets excited, runs around like all little kids do. And Sandy was kind of like, ooh, you know. Yeah. She's being good neighbor. She's she's hypersensitive about that stuff. She's a Midwestern girl, doesn't want to offend anyone, you know, be a good neighbor. So she was always like very uncomfortable. So we couldn't do that. And then of course your place was tough because if Jack's there, you know. But now we have the space. So in our house we have a giant room we call the kid cave or the kid <laughs> containment system. I kind of think of like Ghostbusters, you know, the containment <laughs> system for the ghosts. And so we could just lock them all in there. And my girls love playing with Jack. And so, he loves playing with them. It's a great match. So we got like kill two birds with one stone. So or actually three because the kids, all the kids have fun, right? You and I, Justin's trying to pull this table to him, but it's like made of stone. So I'm not sure it's going to be very successful. <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay, got it. <laughs> Pulled out your back. Um, so yeah, the kids can play together. You and I can record a show and do other stuff. And then uh, of course you get plenty of points with Georgie, right? Yeah. If you're gone big chunks of the weekend with, with Jack, and well, she she's can do a, yeah, that's to do. right. Oh, I mean, well, she always works on the weekend. The reason why I have to watch Jack is because she, she gets, if work. she's not working, she's, you know, she's looking, she's with Jack. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. She's working. Yeah. yeah. This is great. That's All right. Perfect. Cool. Well, um, okay. So yeah, the, we want to start off with talking about the nugget launch of the, the second the, group or it's, well, so basically this is the Mercury launch, which is what, group? uh, it's well so we've had we've had two batches before this we'd had the alpha dogs that was the first batch okay 14 people then we had the second batch which was the beta cats do you say beta or beta beta do you say beta or beta beta okay the beta beta, the beta cats you say patents or patents (laughs) patents yeah you do yeah you don't say patents you're of course you say patents don't english something to say patents i say patent okay patent no pay Patent. Anyway, anyway. Oh, now, see, now, you, see, now you're confused. confused. You're in America too long. You don't know what yeah. you even say. Um, so this, so this was the this was the Mercury Mercury offer. Um, so the Mercury offer, and so my idea actually that I want to show you. Uh, so this is the third group. This is the third group. Okay. But this time, I've made it so that a lot of people can sign up, and we can split them into batches. And I've built that system. Yes. So basically. It could be a hundred people who sign up and then we've got a queue of a hundred people and then we can go through all of those people. We can kind of grade them one through five and put them into batches, kind of evenly split the batches. And the grades are just, you know, ha- just on the surface of it, just a surface look. Do we think, okay, you know, th- this is a, this program's really a good fit for them based on the kind of people that we've seen have success in this program, you know, do they do they match that you know and the other thing is like how much they filled out their profile so if they just really didn't fill out their profile then that's just an automatic five so 
So okay, a couple things. So you rank the you rank the uh, participants. It's it's sort of similar. It's like college recruiting. You have like your one, your two, three, and four star recruits or something like right. that. So it's like okay, <laughs> I, I can't remember. I think they have four star. So four star recruits or something would be like, you know, they're like, uh, you know, nationally known top. You know, like the number one or two person in their position in the country, and then you know. Three star is, you know, obviously exceptionally talented. Two star, so it goes down, so it's fine. So, um, obviously, you can't get all four star recruits, right? Not one college is going to get them all, right? They're all because yeah. they're all competing. So, you you kind of rank people based on how strong you think they're going to be, based on what prior experience, level of commitment, time that they're going to allocate to it. I mean, what? I I really think it, it sort of depends on how much, how close they are to. This is going to sound bad, but kind of like how close they are to some the the, the full stack uh, in the same way that I am. So full stack entrepreneur. Like, are they like me? <laughs> full stack entrepreneur. No, that's not, I don't okay, mean... That's, that could be a good title for the show, the full stack entrepreneur. Yeah, because I, I don't really mean, mean, are they like me? But I, I know that people who, who have design skills, people who have coding skills, people who have marketing skills, people who have all these different skills, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but they, they can't quite settle on the right idea I know that they're super strong and they're an amazing fit for this course because if they've already got all those skills and what they're lacking is just to find the exactly perfect idea for them, this is the best course in the world you know, for so, anyone like that. So, so what's interesting is that when you see like a, a college report, scouting report or you see like a pro scouting report for college athletes, they rank them. You know, okay. physicality, strength, speed, power, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. Or like baseball players, I think, like, you know, how they hit, how do they feel, how, you know. So it's it's interesting. You could, you have, you have these different categories. It'd be fine. It'd be, it, it would be cool as if you actually had like a formal breakdown over time. You say, okay, here are the seven categories we look at, right? And we rank you in these categories to see like, you know, how likely are you to be successful? Now, you're not always going to be correct, right? So like... In the NFL, the uh, the National Football League, right? They they um they recruit well, they evaluate players at what's called the combine. So they invite all the best college football players to um, an event that's last you know a few days or something, and they have them do all these different speed, strength, um, uh, agility, skill um, uh, tests. How, what's the vertical jump? What's their broad jump? What's their 40 yard dash? How many times can they lift 225 pounds? They were having run routes. They have them run, you know, blocking, all that kind of stuff, right? So, but then they, then they do this, they do this evaluation, right? Now, what's interesting is though, is some people come out of their combine all-stars, but they don't necessarily do that well, right? And some people don't look very good on the combine. Yeah. You know who was the people who looked crap, kind of crap on their combine? It was uh, Brady, Tom Brady. That's really interesting. You make me think maybe there should be at some point, there should be some kind of like assessment. And the other thing about that assessment thing, what's so great is it's a marketing tool. Yeah. Because people love to test themselves. Yeah. You know, where do I fit? You know, where, like what kind of... Where it's called the, full, the, the, um, the uh, full stack entrepreneur assessment or the full stack entrepreneur uh, evaluation or something yeah. like that. And so... And, and actually what happens is there are there's a whole industry around preparing um, these college athletes for the combine, right? If you know you're going to be testing your vertical jump and your 40-yard dash and your, you know, and your shuttle run, guess what you're going to be training for for months, right? You want to maximize those because if you can drop your 40-yard dash from a 4.42 down to a 4.31, that could be millions, millions of dollars per year difference. <laughs> 
Seriously. Crazy. Like, especially if you're like a, you know, you're like a, a, a defensive back or a wide receiver and it's all about speed, you went from being fast to lightning fast. And they're like, and that's millions. So you're going to go and work with specialists on how to upgrade those skills because everyone's going to be, you might think it's gaming it, but if everybody upgrades it, it's still kind of level playing field, right? And you just want to see everybody on their best day. What's your, how strong are you at your strongest? How fast are your fastest? How skilled are you at these various things? So you could do something similar. You could say, you could give an evaluation, right? Mm -hmm. Say, here's where you're weak and strong. And here are a bunch of things that you could do to improve those before this thing starts. Well, the course, that's a really good idea. When you have this, yeah, you have, it. you know, these, um, with these sort of uh, boot camps, these software boot camps, mm -hmm. they even had, before you could just join as a complete novice. Now my understanding is a lot of times they'll tell you like, you need to learn these things before it starts. You know, like yeah, you so need it's to- it's gonna be that much better for you. Yeah, yeah, it's like you need to go through a no basic JavaScript or you need to do basic, whatever these things are, you come in so you hit the ground running because if you don't know even the basics, you've done no programming, it's just, you're not really ready to spin up as fast as everybody else is. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. What you're talking about now, everything we're talking about now, reminds me of this emerging concept that's coming through in my my brain, and I want to get a lesson about it, but mm -hmm. I haven't got it there yet, and maybe talking it through with you could. So product founder fit, so much of the course is about product founder fit. Yeah. But I've realized that there's one stage higher, which is I'm now going to dub the product founder singularity. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's basically where <laughs> it's where like everything is in alignment. Like not only do you fit with the product, but the product itself is just the right market for you. Like it's easy for you to reach that market. You know how to reach that. You've kind of proven that you've reached that market. The idea is like just right. It's just right for you to develop. It's the perfect little snowball. Like everything, everything about this has come into alignment and that's why it's just ready for you. So I, I imagine like a like a, almost like a temperature scale, right. right? And at the very bottom, it's like you have it's kind of cold. It's like a, f a founder idea mismatch, right? Our founder alignment misalignment, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, founder entrepreneur misalignment, and then you could have founder alignment possible match, strong match. It's about alignment, yeah. you know, uh, whatever. At the end, it's like you could have the very top. It's like this is a founder idea singularity. Like you have. Yeah. So much about your history, your skills, your passions, your strengths, and this particular idea give you an incredible advantage. Like you have yeah. this competitive advantage. It's like, well, of course you can do this because, and, and, and not only that, but of course, this would be extremely difficult for other people to do. And you have product founder singularity, right? With, with Math Academy and I do with Nugget. Now, I will say that um, you can kind of go out of phase and in phase between the singularity because, mm -hmm. for example, you know this concept of like you you've kind of you've got a marketing piece that's working and you're like oh i'm doing facebook ads that's working and then that gets you to a plateau now you're at that plateau you can't grow anymore so you're out of phase you're not in the singularity anymore mm -hmm. you've got to find your next step your next marketing so step that i I, th I would think that's slightly different in the sense that i wouldn't because i think there's a i don't think your fit goes in and out of phase but i think um uh, your marketing, uh, you go, you have marketing or growth phases where the tactics yeah. can apply in each phase. I think you might, I, I would think you'd kind of classify that as slightly different, Okay. but, um, but I totally agree. I totally agree with that, right? Certain tricks and hacks and things are going to work. You know, you have the email, the email list approach. It gives you your first, you know, batch of, of users, and then you have to go from there. But, um, but yeah, so, okay. 
so how many people do you have in this latest batch? So in, so so basically, okay. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about the name. So the name is Mercury. Okay. So the reason my thinking was okay that I was going to do you know to go in, to go in line with um, the Nugget and the spaceship and the stuff. I was thinking okay, every offer could go from one planet to the next, starting at the beginning of the you know the mm -hmm. the solar system. Anyway. Joe, uh, Joe Stetch contacted me about it. Stack, said it, you pronounce it Stack. Joe Stack. And he basically said, oh, uh, are you going to call the next one um, Gemini? And I was like, what? What's, what's that? And, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, I thought you were naming it after the manned spaceflight programs. Because Mercury <laughs> was the first. Makes, and I'm like, that damn, makes dude, so every much time I speak to you, you make me, you make me more intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is so awesome. That's so much, much better. better. Yeah. So um, I think we'll go down that path, right? No, that's cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, Skylab. Right. right. Of course, you're going to run out of... There's not well, that many That's okay. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go back. You know, we'll, we'll kind of come back to it on the different offers. But anyway, so uh, thanks, Joe, for that. Um, oh, can, can, can we do a just a real brief thing? So Joe Stack had a Kickstarter, and he um, uh, for for publishing his compelling science fiction I, um, anthology. You did you contribute? I did. I, of I, course, I, I, I did. did as well. Wait, did you? How much did you contribute? Um, Three dollars. No, I'm kidding. I did. Okay, compare. I did the forty dollar okay. uh, hardback thing. I did. I didn't really have a need for. I was like two. I was like. I was like. I don't really have a need for that. So I need one. I want, but I wanted a hardback copy. I contributed the amount that I wanted Nugget to succeed. So okay. I was thinking, okay, if I put this good karma into the universe, then I think that like life is going to come back. And what'd you do? Hundred bucks. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So well, I was really happy for Joe. Joe's a, just a really great guy. He came to the Texing Summit, <laughs> and uh, yeah, great, great guy. And I, I um. I love what he was doing. Or I love what he's been doing with um, compelling science fiction. Um, I'm I'm happy to. I'm excited to have the book. Yeah, you know, yeah. because a lot because I think everything thus far has been uh, digital, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't really like reading long form and, and digital so much. Um, so I'm I'm kind of I'm so excited because I'm excited to get the books because the very first reading that I ever did was those was books like that books that were like you know compelling it wasn't compelling science fiction that wasn't the name of it yeah, but it was lots of short sure. stories by different authors and it was just really exciting and then i got into asimov after that you know well i, I think um well i i i love this because he's doing it purely out of passion mm -hmm. right it's not like well i can make you know you know make a little money off this and then it's just but i think when you do that and you do a really good job like there's a there's a future in this well so, so this is the other thing. I mean, this is another part of the singularity. I think Joe's in the product founder singularity right now because you you can't help but nudge yourself in a direction that gets you to a grand vision, even if you don't really kind of know what that grand vision is. It you just kind of because you you follow the hell years, mm -hmm. and each hell year makes it slightly clearer and brings into some kind of crystal clarity where you're going. Yeah. And like, I feel like that is exactly what's happened with you in Math Academy, right? Yeah. You just started teaching kids at school and then it's just, you know, oh, well, maybe I could kind of slightly formalize this, you know? And then you started working with the school and, oh, maybe I could like really formalize this and maybe I could do this in a couple of schools. Oh, maybe I could build some software for this. You know, it's like each each new one adds on. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It just becomes better and better and better, better fit. So... All right, so well, congratulations to Joe. 
Yeah. Um, I think uh, things comes out in November. So let's 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 go on. So you were talking about your third batch. Okay. okay yeah. Let's. So third batch. So we by this stage we've got nine thousand on the mailing list. Yeah. Which is a pretty good mailing list. Hell yeah. But the mailing list, but that's That's but a mailing list singularity. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Mailing list singularity might be like a million, but, but that's a 9,000 is, is, uh, that's, you know, for, you know, the, the bootstrapped, you know, non, you know, non Kardashian Twitter following, yeah. you know, follower level. That's, that's a good mail email list. It's a good size, but the thing is, it's not, I'm not a mailing list pro. So, there's a difference between a mailing list, you know, just because you've got the emails and another one where you kind of nurture it. Like I'm on Amy Hoy's mailing list and, um, you know, at least once a week, there's just some new thought piece coming through the door that's kind of interesting. Well, I kind of haven't done any of that. And the way that the mailing list was built in the first place, uh, at least half of it was through people being able to get the free ideas, you know? Mm -hmm. So they are kind of the right people, but they're not exactly right. So what's, and, and you'll see, just kind of the mismatch of that when I tell you that 25 customers purchased. So I sent out five emails about this offer, um, you know, as the offer counted down over three days. Uh, sorry, four emails, not five. And um, Four emails over three days. Yeah, so four emails over three days. So first, I, because one of, uh, one of our mentors who's, who's extremely successful, he's, he's pulling in like 30 grand, he's got three SaaS apps, He's really good at, nice. at this stuff. And he's a great mentor as well, by the way, and he loves doing it. Um, but anyway, he, he kind of coached me through this offer. And so, uh, you know, I followed, followed his strategy. It worked. And it, it did work. It did work. But um, so the strategy is, is you kind of have like a three-day three timer uh. on, on, the, on three days before you do an introductory email, two days before you do one saying, you know, just, there's just a day left. And then on the day you say, okay, it's finishing in like right. you know, 12 hours or whatever. So anyway, but 25 signups is not a huge amount from 9,000. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, it's good and well. But anyway, so anyway, 25 signups, which brought in on the day uh, 6,500 in revenue. No, it's 25 signups. Yeah. 6,000 on the day. But then other people, some people did not pay up front. So yeah, so, so the way that the deal structured is that, so, so I want everyone to get lifetime alumni access. To, yeah. to Nugget. That's my goal, right? And I want them to do it through a monthly installment plan or like one-time payment. So this deal, it was 97 bucks for 12 months. But then when you click the button to buy and you enter your credit card details, it offers you a one-time offer, which is a genuine one-time offer. You can't go ahead and like hack the cookies, for example. Right, right. Um, and then it says, okay, look, if you want, you can save. <laughs> That's like a t-shirt. Don't hack my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> it says you can you can pay seven four seven right now and save four hundred bucks one time mm -hmm. payment, and we'll give you lifetime access. Or you can pay two hundred sixty seven in three three installments, and you'll save like three hundred and fifty bucks, something like that. So I was amazed that um, forty percent of people took the upgrade offers. Wow. that's the reason why it's. 6,500 from 25 people. Great. So what was your goal? And <laughs> my goal was a hundred, a hundred signups, a hundred signups. That was my, like, uh, so basically what I thought, what my, my pessimistic, my pessimistic expectation was 30 signups. My optimistic expectation was 50 signups and my goal was a hundred, but I didn't even get my pessimism, my pessimistic expectation. So maybe you're just in a little, getting a little ahead of yourself. Maybe. Yeah. So what we, well, how much do you have in the first two groups? There was twenty. There was fourteen in in the first batch, ten in the second batch, 
and now there's 25. Yeah, so, that's, that's that's great. So I think you, I think you have to have a more realistic growth pattern. You yeah, know, I mean, it's I like just because you want a thousand signups doesn't mean you're getting a thousand signups. Like, well, okay, thousands my pessimist. And you know, I mean, that's just you kind of have to look at where you've been and look at some percentage increase over that. I I think to I mean, you know, first yeah, of all, this is this is more, realistic. This is more than this is more revenue and more people than the first two batches in this one combined. But put them. Combined or yeah, combined. Like so, so, the first two batches combined didn't make as much money and didn't have as many people as this uh, one. Yeah, and, and and yeah. So it's not that you didn't do well; it's that your expectations were a little out of whack. Yeah, basically. Okay, so yeah. like, just so you'll the, get there. Just calm. Just give yourself <laughs> a few more months. You know what I mean? So, uh, so the batches. There's three batches. We've we split them up into one of nine and two of eight. Okay. And um, their names are the Mercury Sharks, Mercury Hawks. And Mercury seals. <laughs> so I think you need to do some feedback and find out how people feel about the uh, names. You might want to. Okay, you know, it might be interesting. I should probably check with you first, right? I would ask them. Well, well I don't, it doesn't really. Matter. I mean, the, I mean, the thing is, look, the pattern is animals, right? Mm -hmm. It's animals, and the first half is the thing. Mm -hmm. So it's you know, alpha dogs, beta cats, Mercury I mean, sharks. Doesn't really. Matter. It's good enough. Not, right? not, what doesn't matter is really. I don't think anyone cares unless people are unless unless people actively are annoyed by them. Then it probably doesn't matter. Listen, next one's going to be Gemini. Yeah. No, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. The the animal thing, I'm sort of met on, but I like I like the Gemini and well, the Mercury I could, stuff. It could change it to something like astronauts, you know, so like Gemini astronauts, or you know what I mean, Gemini pilots. You could, you could name it actual the actual name of the um pilots. Well, that's not a bad idea, yeah. Yeah, they have the astronauts. You could give it their name, like the last name, or I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I'm not opposed to like changing it. Like, we don't have to be set in stone about how, how that's working. Um, no, no, set in stone for life. It's like, <laughs> all right, so let's, so that's, so, that's cool. Uh, congrats on that. Yeah, so there's so many things that I'm thinking about for. Yeah, congrats on, on, on more than doubling your past revenue, but, but falling short on your most pessimistic expectations. <laughs> <laughs> um okay i'm almost done uh one one more piece i wanted to talk to you about okay um and i'm gonna wind back a little bit to talk about this when i had the band with money penny when we the band was money penny was it money wasn't penny. a person named money penny so i we got this album and i kind of had this idea to buy an email list this was like in 99 Bought an email list, had like a thousand different uh, A&R, you know, representatives from different record companies. I had the email list. I can't remember how much it was. It was probably pretty expensive. But anyway, I put together a PHP script and I was just about to, I, I made the website and everything, put together a PHP script, was about to email all these people because I didn't, you know, there was no mass mailing software that I knew about. So I was going to do that. I was just about to click go. And the thought occurred to me, wait a minute, there's some magic I could do here. I could actually put a link that had the ID of each person who I emailed, and then I could see if they looked at the page, and I could basically follow each person yeah. and, and track them, and then see how many times they clicked it. And I could map their IP to like where they were and all that kind of stuff. So I built that out, I sent the mail out, and did that. And what I realized, that was the time when I realized, I am so much better at fucking tech than I am at music. <laughs> <laughs> that was the point. Right. But, but that that like aha moment of holy shit like 
technology gives you this chance to look behind the scenes. I've had that about Nugget about something. So what is amazing for me as a teacher is that I can go in and look at all the, you know, what people's backstory was, you know, what they're, what they're doing, what they're struggling with, what ideas they're working on, all the things they're thinking about, because they answer everything as they go through the course. Mm. So it's sort of like a doctor walking around a ward, you know, with a report card. Like I know everything about this, this right. patient. Right. I'm like, it's called your, um, I'm going to look at your, what's it called? Uh, oh God. When you're, when you're, when you're in the hospital, I need to look at your health record. Oh, it's clipboard. No, it's on the clipboard, uh, and I'm I'm blanking. I know everyone listening to us is, is yelling it out right now, but I can't think <laughs> of it. Um, I'll, it'll come to me later. But okay. yeah, that would be the name for it. So, so what I realized was, I'm looking at JJN and seeing him, J- Jeremy, being an amazing mentor, mm-hmm. thinking, huh, that would be amazing. I should like completely systematize this so that he can, and I can look at this really easily. Look at this data because right now it's like. I've got to click weird links. It's it's not really well formatted. Yeah. There's no UI. It's not formalized. It's not systematized. And that made me think, holy shit, that is an amazing experience for someone who wants to be a mentor. Like take you, for example. Like one of the one of the biggest reasons why being a mentor sucks is because you give people advice and it doesn't help them. But what is amazing feeling is you give people advice and it helps them. And the best way to do that is to have their context. Because yeah, well, you don't have someone's full context, it's so hard to help them because you give them advice, you don't know if it's going to work. No, well, so what's not, fr- it's not frustrating, it doesn't work because most of the time you give advice, you're like, this this will they work. Just, they yeah, don't do it. They don't do it. They follow it. They, so I get, I get, I haven't as much in a while, but I used to get a lot more emails, about, especially about the trading stuff, yeah. you know, algorithmic trading. And and everybody, and they would ask me stuff and I'd give them, and I would try and give them a thoughtful expo- a response, read this book, do this, go to this website and uh, no follow up. Nothing. And so it's like, I don't know. It's like, this is just a waste of my time. I, these people aren't, I have no idea if, it, if they did anything, probably didn't. But don't you think if you could look, if you could see their full context and see that they're the kind of person who does certain kind of things and doesn't, and doesn't excel at other kind of things, that then when, when you are giving them advice, it could be much more powerful because it could be just the right advice That's for true the right too. kind of person. Also, I don't want to waste my time on people who haven't done some homework already. They haven't earned my time. You know, I, it's just like, you know, so a lot of times what I would do is I would say, go do this and then come back to me, which then of course gets rid of 95% of the people because nobody wants to do anything. And, but they're, they're per- perfectly happy asking you to spend time giving them a thoughtful response, even though they have yet to invest any time into doing anything. But if somebody goes out and they do a lot of hard work, you're like, okay, you've earned my respect. You've earned my time. I'll help you out, you know? But um, if you haven't, it's just sort of like, it's sort of a... a it's an imposition and you've done nothing to earn it. So imagine a website like Nugget where you as a mentor could go and it's, it's, you, you don't get paid. It's just, it's free. You're just doing your mentoring stuff, but you get to browse or look at the different people who are there and you can kind of go, Oh, I think I'm going to just maybe pick this, these two guys. You, know? you can just pick people out and say, I'll help these people. I think I'm going to help these people. And imagine that, that website where someone like you, someone like Rob, Walling, you know, so, anyone, any, anyone who's kind of proven can go in here and have a really satisfactory mentoring experience. Satisfactory because it's completely asynchronous. It doesn't have to take up much of their time. You know, just small little inserts here and there. 
and satisfactory because they can do it in whatever ever way they want. They could have a public profile, you know, or they could have a private profile. They don't, they're, they're not even mentioned, but they just get to work with a well, couple of people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, what I would, what I would think would be cool is if you had kind of like, you know how you have this kind of scale, how, people far, how far along people are on it? Yes. Like, you would show the people in the program, in the academy, you know, these, these, um, uh, these mentors will jump in after people, will consider jumping in after people have gone through level four these people after level seven you know it's like you know like rob walling is not going to give you the time of day until you've gotten to level nine because he's got tons of people to deal with and it's like you're you, just too you've you've read my mind yeah you read my mind that is yes so if they're like oh man i would love to get some feedback from rob walling on right marketing and da 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 but he's i gotta i gotta earn it like i gotta i gotta do this stuff first before he's gonna bother to spend you know 15 minutes thinking about my my issues yeah i one thing i'm not clear about is um whether they're allowed to initiate something with mentors or whether it's just mentors picking people who they like or how that whole matching's part of it works. I'm not clear about that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you could do a couple of things. I mean, you don't, you don't, what you don't want to do is um, put um, uh, mentors on the spot too much where they feel pressure because mm -hmm. they're just going to get annoyed. Yeah. If it's like, it's like people don't want to get a bunch of emails, people get annoyed by too much inbound, mm -hmm. you know, because people are busy. They're like, oh, God, it's not, not, you know, it's like, you know, I was just in a, a uh, interview it was a great interview with uh drew houston um you know the dropbox founder on a tim ferris show and he was calling it other opp other people's priorities so it's like if you spend all your time in email let's get worrying about other people's priorities you never get anything done right and i find myself in this on a whole sort of like productivity issue is fine if you're just in a reactive mode where you're just responding to other people's priorities you know to clear out your inbox you don't get anything done you know, and it's really frustrating. So a lot of times you're just like, I'm just not going to worry about their stuff anyway. And so the more successful people become, the more other people are constantly reaching out and want some of their time. And then those people become non-functional, non-productive because that's all they're doing. Right. And so yeah. what you could do is you could say, um, you could send out an email to, to if, 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 if a mentor registers themselves themselves and they're like, okay, I'm here. They can send an email and say, okay, we have, um, 11 people are now at level five. And, and this is kind of what they've done. And you could say, I like this. Uh, she looks kind of interesting. That's kind of an interesting idea. I could jump in and I'll, I'll help her. Because what I was thinking was, yeah, what you just said. Yeah. Yes. And what I was thinking was the way that it, it would be the least stressful and the most rewarding as a mentor would be if you just picked one or two people who you just thought, okay, I'm going to see them. I'm going to, I'm going to see them change their life, you know, and you just, so, so that as they were working through the course, when they were checking in a lesson, that would be the time that you would get emailed. So you'd just get to see what they, what work they've done. And then you would basically make a decision. Well, I, I need to reply or I don't, you know, you, but you, you're just kind of keeping little tabs on those people. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to step in here. I've got a good idea. So that's what I was thinking. It's more along the lines of, it's more like Watsy, you know? I don't like, know what you're talking about. Uh, you know, like these, these, these programs where, where it's like social lending. Oh, okay. And you look at the program. Mm -hmm. It's more like that. So it's more like that kind of relationship is what I was thinking about. Yeah, well, okay. So like a sponsor a child kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, like your, they're like your puppies, you know? Right, right. So you could, you could choose how many of them you wanted to, to, to hold on to. But it's, it's also like, um, it's also like, so as a mentor, you might not be willing to mentor people unless they've 
done a certain amount of work. They've Agreed. reached a certain level. I'm just yeah. not dealing with yellow belts and green belts. Like yeah. you got to yeah. be a, a brown belt before I'm going to waste my time with you. Because it's too mm-hmm. often you're just going to just stop and it's just a, exactly. stupid. It's very frustrating. But the other thing is there are certain types of startups and certain type of people that you'd be interested in working with. Exactly. So it's exactly. like, you just like, you know what? I really like people who are in this space. I don't understand this other space. Mm-hmm. I understand the space. Yeah. What she's doing or what he's doing, like that's cool. That's yeah. a cool idea. I want to help them because I could see that they're, they're onto something. That's going to work. They just, but if they don't do the right things, it's going to screw up. So I'm going to help that person, right? Yeah. Um, or they might be interested in like category. It's like, look, I like to help minority uh, founders. I like to help single mom founders. I like to help whatever. You know, yeah. they just they just have a soft spot in our, for certain categories of users. Say, look, these kind of people tend to fail. Hey, this is a you know a, an older person who's trying to do an entrepreneur. Like, I know what that's like. Yeah. You know, my mom did a startup and I helped her, so I know how to help this person. Something, right? Um, so the, that so they can kind of. But what you could also do is. You could have um, a kind of a matching algorithm. So, for instance, the the people in the academy might be like, "Oh, well, I, they're just huge fans of some of your mentors, right?" And say, "Who are your first? You know, you get to pick three mentors you're most you'd be most excited to work with, right?" Yeah. And um, and then those people, and then the, and the and the and the uh, mentors would know. It's like, hey, this person. He's a huge fan this, of yours. This person is a huge fan of yours. Yeah. They 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 selected you. They that for mentor. They have now at level eight, and the person go, you know what? Okay, they're a big fan of me. I'm a little flattered. They've done all the right work. They're yeah. in a space I like. I'm going to help this person, right? Yeah. Because that's going to increase the 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 chance, the probability that's going to be a satisfactory, rewarding experience for the mentor. Right. If you want the mentors to stick with it, they they I think you want to have a little more control of and and, and, and a high probability that of of handing like people where it's going to be a success. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and, you know, the reason why I want to do this is because I've seen that it's through, you know, when I was mentoring before the, the, the original 400 people, I was having basically zero success with anyone. But now I'm mentoring them and it's like really working. And it's because of the context. It's because of having their context. It's that report report card thing. What yeah. makes the difference? So but yeah, I, I really want to scale that because I can't do that for everyone. But it's it's the people who are doing the program who I'm then just slightly course directing. Yeah. And I, and I mean, it's it's super easy for me even managing you know 23 because it's so asynchronous. The whole thing's so asynchronous. Yeah. Yeah. So a mentor like Rob could pick one or two people. You know, I mean, and he and the other question is like. I don't know whether Rob would want to tell anyone in the world that he was mentoring people because he yeah. might not. And want... by the way, we don't even know Rob's mentor. We're just yeah. using him yeah. because just, I'm just using a... him as an example. He's a placeholder. We're a fan, Rob. That's always, why we're talking about always, you if you're listening. Always, so. Rob so, is always the example. I mean, Mike, you know, Mike is equally, Mike Tabor is equally, yeah. um, you know, appropriate. I mean, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, right. You definitely want to give as much information and data and context for the mentor as possible, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, chart. I need to see your chart. chart. That's what it says. Let me see your chart. <laughs> That's what you think of. Oh, no. Yeah, That's I knew funny. that would pop in. Okay, right. what's your yeah. chart? Let me see your chart. So, they, the, the, the academy members need to have a chart, right? Let's leave their chart. What, yeah. is, what is the um, what's the mentor going to look at? But, um, chart. I was thinking report card, but chart. That's good. I, I mean, like it doesn't it. have to use that. I've just, it's just, I couldn't, I and, couldn't and, find and it. And at my the brain. top of the chart is, their logo and their, you know, the URL to their site and like how much revenue they've got and how many 
make their emailing list. You know, and there could even be just like stats. either you could even be the valuation from you. Here's what yeah. I think this um here are the strengths and weaknesses of this entrepreneur. Um you know, Wait, does, does that show to, to the guy? No, or to the mentor. Just to the mentor. So it's kind of it, yeah. like, it's like, yeah. a, it's like a recommendation. You're like, yeah. okay, so like, she's really, so like, so let's say that you're, she's like, okay, so here's the things about it, right? She's very prompt to respond. Very, yeah. we'll call it, she's very open to being coached. Um, she's a little overzealous. So she emails a little too much, <laughs> you know, or she doesn't, um, she tumps down, she go, I give her, I give her some direction and, and rather than like getting back to me what she's done, she's gone off the rails and just, you know, whatever. So you just kind of prep them. Like, here's the kind of person they are. Here are their strengths and weaknesses, you know, and because everyone has things and that anyway, I just think that could help. You know, what's really surprised me is just listening to you say that there's, there's some people who are really good, but just in very slow motion. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's like they're making the steps that, you know, someone else makes in a couple of days, they're making in two weeks. You see, but they're making it, successful steps each time. And I think that's important to explain to the mentor. Because the mentor, if you're mentoring a couple, you're not spending a lot of time thinking about this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they might get the wrong thing. It's like, hey, I gave I gave this guy some good advice. It's been two weeks, I haven't heard anything. If you're like, oh no, no, no. He, 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 that's the, that's his pace. That's his pace. Yeah. He, he, he's getting stuff done. Trust me. He'll do uh, an A plus job on it. It just takes two weeks. It's not going to take four days or three days. So, yeah. right. So it, it was interesting. So like, I just went on, um, I just went and visited Haren's class, math academy, the ninth grade linear algebra, multiverbal calculus mm -hmm. class. And I'll talk about this later. Um, but you know, I taught those kids for five years. So I know them inside and out and how they learn and what context, where their strengths, weaknesses are. And I, even, even though I told him some, I told him some stuff earlier about the kids, I really had to go over and say, no, here's how David is. Here's how Colby is. Here's where they're going to struggle. Here's where they're weak. Cause it's really easy to misread them and think that they're not as good. Um, you know, or something yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. Like David is a renowned slowpoke. He is slow so when he takes a standardized test he's always going to underperform the other kids i said however he's like he's like and i said however he's really good he just take he give more time and he's like yeah we're in class and he and he discovered a theorem that i hadn't even talked about i'm like yeah he will think deeply about things but he's slow and he's gonna make lots of mistakes because he can't move as fast as the kids so he tries to move fast and he kind of his brain kind of stutters i said so but you're not gonna pick this up for a long time but I've worked with this kid for years. And so that now that since I gave that insight to Haren, Haren can much more easily um, uh, sort of uh, communicate, connect with him and understand how best to teach him, right? And you have a small group of kids, but still sometimes it takes time. And, and anyway, and sometimes just a few hints. It's like, okay, you know, Colby is a horrible at learning by just listening. You can't just sit there and talk to him. He's just, he has to be doing. You spend there a half hour and, you, and then you realize he doesn't understand what's going on. It's because he doesn't learn very well that way. And so you're gonna think, is he just not good at math? No, he just is not a good l listener. <laughs> it's really interesting. You know? Or, or, um, you know, or, 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 um, uh, you know, he's like uh, George. He's just like he's always making noises, but and not and and knocking his pencil on things and stuff. I was like, he needs to move around. You can't have him sitting there. Like, I mean, he needs to move around. The more I've looked at this whole thing, it's it's about who you are. It's about who you are as a person. Is your and and matching that up with what you're trying to do, it's just it's just crazy. Yeah, it's all about who you are. Yeah. So the, like, there's a product market fit, but there's also like a mentor, um, a academy member, like a mentor, fit. mentor student. Yeah, mentor student is. fit. Yeah, it is. It's very much so. You're like, yeah. 
you're going to have, like, if you have a mentor who's like very fast talking, very fast thinking, impatient, let's go, 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 bang, bang, bang. They need to be with. And you put them with a slow poke, the person's yeah. going to be like, this person's a it's disaster. It's going to be totally unsatisfying. They're going to be frustrated. Like, yeah. I email a person, I get back to them in three days, you know, yeah. they're pissed because yeah. they're like, that's disrespectful. The other person's like, I'm putting my time into this, I'm giving you my time, and, and you didn't even like respond to it. And me. the person's like, oh, he's just slow. Whereas, whereas if you had a mentor who's kind of a low key, like, you know, I just. Like a Ruben Gammas. Gomez. Yeah, let's just, just chill. Ruben you know, would be, exactly right. Let's Ruben would be totally work, work low well key. with slow, low-key But people. And if he had a men, uh, 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 someone he's mentoring who is just like emailing him three times a day and responding, he'd be like, dude, like chill out. You're stressing me out. I don't want to deal with you. Like I, this is not a satisfying experience. And then you have your, I'm telling you, if you don't match up the mentors with the right uh, academy members, the the mentors are just going to get burnt out. Yeah, like this is this, this sucks. sucks. This is annoying sucks. or frustrating yeah. or disappointing. And then that's I think your mentors are obviously are going to are, are huge going to be huge a huge benefit to the program a huge draw and and can add a huge amount of value to their experience. So you want to keep them happy and you want to get and you want to increase the chances that that the relationship is as successful as possible. I mean this. By the way, I didn't mean Ruben was slow. I just made. Yeah, you that. did. He, he said he doesn't he's think very. He's, he's just very chill. He said Ro, Ruben is not very smart. His brain doesn't work very well. He's, no, no. Ro, Ruben is just a relaxed but, but, guy. He's a chill guy. This is a classic example of what I'm talking about. How you you just gradually, even unawareing, you know, even though you're not purposefully going there, you kind of get to where you're going. It just gradually happens. These ideas gradually come to you. Like, yeah. the, the, the big vision I want... It crystallizes, yeah. The big vision that I want is to create some alternative to Y Combinator kind of thing. You know, some some online... Well, concept. okay. So, so this actually... Com- the, you, what you want is... You, is you, I think you want um, uh, Nugget to be like a bootstrap version of Y Combinator. Exactly. That's exactly what I want. And and so it's almost like the anti-Y Combinator, but not in a bad way. Not no, like, it's just a complimentary. Not, not, it's not just... in a... Not in a no, but what I, I've, I've got a, a reason for saying that. I don't mean anti as in we don't like Y Combinator. I mean anti as in like, you know, particles plus and minus. It's, it's like Y Combinator is all about, you know, raising money. You, cut, you come in, you kind of test the Scale idea. Scale super all, fast. All those, th- yeah. all those things. It's kind of like the opposite of that. Like, and also the way that the mentoring works is opposite. It's, it's, it's all offline. It's not in person, you know. So, and it's like Y Combinator is on site. It's three months yeah, you know, nuggets different. off site and it's like years. Yeah, well, I say different courses for different horses. Like yeah. this is, you have different types of horses. You probably have a lot of people who have families or in situations where they're not going to quit their job and they can't go move to Silicon Valley and they can't dedicate all their time to this, that they have other responsibilities and other, and other things going on. Um, and so they're like, no, I need to do this as a side project. I need to do this at the pace that I can do it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it could be a lot of, it'd be a lot of reasons, but I think, yeah, it's just a different, it's just a the, different. The Y Combinator of side projects and bootstrapping, like yeah. almost kind of legitimizing well, you've, bootstrapping in a way. You've been about bootstrapping your whole life. Every You always felt <laughs> like you were, you were, that's been sort of your focus. So I mean, it makes sense. But I think, um, yeah, but I, but obviously Paul Graham's and Y Combinator's, their ideas on how to, you know, release early release often and build something people love and uh, all this stuff is absolutely right. Now, there's all stuff yeah. you should be doing. So yeah. it's not like you're like anti, it's, it's just, yeah. you're just, there's a different category of person that's going to want to, uh, that's going to want to do Nugget. But for example, like take Rob Walling, for example, as an example, like there is a point where in your stair stepping of like building stuff, 
Like when you get when you get to a point of building a drip, then all of a sudden, wait, the, the lines are fuzzy. Now I'm like built this massive company that you know I can sell for many millions of dollars. But just just because you've just because it's the, something is bootstrapped doesn't mean it can't be extremely right. successful. I it, think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, most companies fail whether they're funded or not funded. Um, and some companies are really successful, whether funded or not funded. You know, there are tons of companies you'll see I, I th- that have that were completely bootstrapped and are su- uh, really uh, uh, successful. And I don't mean like you make a million dollars a year. I mean hundreds of millions, billion dollar companies. Oh, that mail chips, billion dollar. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. lot of yeah. companies, a lot of companies that aren't necessarily in the tech space that are family-run businesses mm-hmm. that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars. I mean, a lot of these big brands and stuff that you see around, you're like, oh, that's not a public traded company. That's just owned by or is a closely held corporation like three or four people started and it's yeah. been around for 40 years 50 years I mean, that's you know this whole venture funded thing um i mean this stuff is a relatively new concept in, yeah. in 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 sort of it has not been around for hundreds of years you know so there will be a point in time i guess once assuming that i go forward with this mentor concept which i'm kind of getting pretty excited about then there's going to be a point of time where you which you brought up last show or you've certainly brought up to me is like, okay, now we're going to bring investors in. Yeah. We're going to complete this picture. You know? Yeah. So you could have so you can track smaller scale and you could have right, or like a demo day kind of a thing. You yeah, you can you can basically track, you can browse the projects, you can see how much revenue they're making, you can look at their history, see everything they've done, and you can go, yep, I'm gonna back that horse see, as an investor. See, I think okay. So one thing about <laughs> um what? Really? No, nothing. You're just like, yeah. You, I can see you going. Okay, I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna tell him something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. I'm just trying to get my uh, thoughts together. But okay, um, the way the venture capital industry works is they're looking for hits, major hits. They say, okay, nine of the ten of these things are gonna fail, so one has to be a hit, or like two or three will be okay. You know, one of ten will be a huge hit, and the rest will be kind of you know, nothing. So um, they need you to go big. Every they're, they're, Each one, they're looking for a go big, meaning go public or be acquired for a lot of money in a, in a relatively short period of time, like That's seven traditional years. VC, but there That's, are VCs who, who will put money into kind of smaller things. What I'm talking, no, not, no, not VCs. Not VCs. Venture capitalists. But yeah. even angel investors and all that angel, kind of stuff, yeah. it's built around a model similar to that. Okay, okay, if yeah. you go on AngelList, most of these people are looking into money, putting money in convertible debt, which will then be followed on by seed rounds, by you know institutional investors and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, what I think is an, an alternative model are, are people, are angels effectively, people who have some money who are like, yeah, I'd put ten thousand dollars in this, and the outcome doesn't have to be go public or be acquired. It could be through distributions. Yeah, yeah. right. It's like you know, um, at some point when you start paying yourself, you know, because obviously it makes more more sense for an entrepreneur, founding team, to say, hey, you know, we're making a million dollars a year. We're making half a million, or you might say, we're making four hundred thousand dollars a year profit um, on this thing. I'm not going to pay myself four hundred thousand dollars in salary because the the uh, tax rate's too high. I'm going to pay myself $70,000 a year as a salary and, I'm gonna, and the rest should be distributions, right? And so I will take the remaining, assuming they own 100% of it, they take the remaining $330,000 as capital gains distribution, okay? So if I'm an investor and I say, hey, I put in money and I own 10% of the company, then I would get 10% of the profits as a capital gains distribution, right? And, and that's fine. This is like dividend. Those are like, you could have a lot of people who say, look, I don't, 
I don't compete with VCs and angels on these, you know, go big or go home kind of investments. What I do is I find these companies that are profitable and growing and are in and have a have a foothold and a solid market and they have a competent committed uh, entrepreneur and i'm like yeah this this person is doing a good job um and then you have a portfolio of those people and say you know i expect to receive distributions on most of these within three to five or seven years and they'll all be just paying you know i'm not expecting a big thing but because you know but that could be a a, a route for this because a lot of yeah. people are like hey i'm not this isn't something I'm going to go public or, or I want to sell. This is something, or that's not my goal. My goal is to build something that is a is a good site company. Maybe it employs three or five or twenty or thirty people, and you know, and we we can we main, we control our destiny. And yeah, we have a handful of investors that own a minority share, and we pay them out distrib- with distributions. I think that would be the model because I think you could, I think that would be the model that would appeal to most of these entrepreneurs. A realistic model, and it would also appeal to a different class of investors that are looking for high probability hits of good returns, not like, hey, there's a one in 10 chance that this thing is going to be huge, otherwise it's going to fail. That's right. I really like your thinking. Um, And it makes me think that, you know, coupled with that, and once again, this is blue sky and way in the future, but in just the same way why Combinator has all these legal documents ready to go, for that, for those types yeah, of companies, yeah, yeah. The safe, you know, the safe you, you have things like that for these types of companies and this type of investing. Yeah, you have like here's the structure, uh, here's the structure of company you want to set up. So if you're gonna, so uh, I don't know a lot of these people are probably just doing it as sole proprietorships, but they want to set it up as like an LLC or an S corp or something. Um, I mean, there are different, obviously different, different ways of doing it. But yeah, I mean, they, you can transition. You don't have to. You can start out as a sole proprietorship and be like, okay, like. I do want to take some investment after a year. I'll, I'll create, I'll create as an LLC. So that's the vision. That's good. I like it. Congratulations. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. You know, like I've obviously got to um, keep on, you know, bringing people in and doing other stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what when's the, the next batch. I don't know what the ne- or when's the next sort of. You know, this is this is like a re- it's a really tough question. I don't know what to do next. Like, should I go ahead? And start trying to keep growing it and you know focus on marketing and bring more people in should i go ahead and build out systematized mentoring and bring mentors in yes yeah. both <laughs> <laughs> i think there was a tech book i think it was a book came out from tech stars it's called um, i think it was, was it bradfeld or somebody it was called do more faster <laughs> you know well if i have more people but um you know another thing that i want to do is um like build a system where every day it, it it emails you and it basically it says like what did you get done today remember that bullets thing that we did you know and the, so basically they reply back and that goes to their momentum tracker and it goes to their their batches private slack and so they kind of you know once again just keeping them more in check with each other and basically integrate slack with with the site more so you can do forward slash momentum and then just type out what you did so you can just enter that in slack as well mm-hmm. There's a lot of different things. A lot of stuff. I don't know. I, you know, I can't, I mean, I, you, you got to keep growing. Yeah. You don't want to sit still. Yeah. So you don't want to go and hide in the corner. So you have to have a, you have to have a marketing track. I think whatever happens. I think you kind of have to do, I think you're going to have to parallel process. You're going to have to do both at the same time. Something I would love to do. I don't know how to do this would be to have a batch of, um, female entrepreneurs, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, like specialist. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, and uh, that would go along the lines of the Mercury Venus. It, the, that batch could be called. 
<laughs> Venus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think you could um, you could definitely say people. What you want to do is you want to see do do they want to do in a female only match? Is there interest in a female only match? Yeah. You know, and there might not That's be. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. If they, cause some some women might be like, eh, you know, I some women might really feel like a lot of it. Some might not be be so interested um so you just want to kind of I don't assume that they that's what people want that's worth an email to the nine thousand, right yeah say hey, hey I'm guys put together yeah i'm gonna see if there's any interest in this yeah. uh you know i'd be happy to organize if that's if that if we have enough takers or something like that you know okay. um um but you definitely could segment it by you know oh, hey this is going to be um you know uh, the you know i don't know what it would be i don't know how, what the right a euphemism is like people who are older, you know, um, who want to, you know, people in the 50 and plus crowd the or oldies. The, know, old, the golden oldies batch. Yeah. I don't know. Something the female uh, batch. The, the golden years, uh, startup the phase teenagers and, batch. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, you just, um, well, you could definitely get, you know, uh, you know, you could segment it different ways, but I, but rather than assuming that, I think what's the interest do people yeah. have an interest in, in segmenting by age, you know, or age or, you know, gender or even like, hey, this is going to be um, a cutting edge tech one where it's, it's got to be cutting edge technology. Yeah. Or, or this is that's a great this idea. Is, so the only so you can only get in here if you're like deep into crypto or some. So this kind is of a crypto. This is a crypto start because then because they could talk to other people who are in the crypto space. They're like, we're going to have a lot more in common. But you could do something like out of the lab, which is people who are trying to take something that's cutting edge science, people who are working lab and, and want to do a lab, you know, something more like that. I don't know, just all kind of different things. But, you know, Ooh. I think people, I think I, I was a little, little concerned when people are segmenting, you know, we, we always talk about like how we don't want people to have biases and you should look deeper than skin deep and stuff. But then we want to segment everything by all, everybody's, it's a, it's a minority um, conference or it's a women's conference or this. It's like, really, it's about interest. Do we have a shared interest? You know, yeah. is everybody interested in crypto? I don't care what color your skin is or what gender. You, you know, it's like, are you interested in what I'm interested in? You know, do we do are we are, you know, um, and I think uh, it might be more fun for them in the batch if they're with people who have the same interests, same general field. What I like about that idea of yours is that um, I can keep on sending an email out to the 9000 and say, hey. We're thinking of putting together a batch for people into crypto. If we yeah. can get if we can get ten, yeah. we'll we'll launch it. Exactly. You can come up with different things. That's really good because that really scale that really scales that mailing list. Well, and the other thing too is you could email people and say, What is a category of thing that you were interested in doing and what are the entrepreneurs you'd like to work with? So there yeah. might be something you know, obviously there are nine thousand people, there are gonna be a lot of ideas that you're not gonna think of. And you might feel you might like all of a sudden two or three or four people all named the same thing. And you're like, or something similar. You're like, ah, that's one. And then you go email about, it's okay, here's an idea. We have some interest in these three ideas. Who's interested in one of the, you know, or whatever. Really interesting. Let the crowds, let the crowd help you find, you know, let the data, data drive it a little bit, you know, but you can throw out a couple that you think are obvious, you know, yeah. like this is, this is obvious. It's like, you know, or is it a gaming mobile? Is it like a social kind of thing? Is it a crypto kind of thing? Is it a, you know, is it a charity base? Is it a kind of thing? Is it like a financial, what is it finance? Are you interested in the finance side? You know, I mean, funny thing is, is like, as they go through the course, they may get to that point and they get to the product founder fit lessons and they're like, 
huh, I really think I should be starting this kind of thing, which isn't related to that, related to crypto. But still, it would probably just be a really good experience. Yeah, to it doesn't mean they can't 10. adjust their idea. But if they're like really, if they're really excited about a certain category of thing, yeah. they'll probably pick something in that general area. Yeah, that's you know? great. Well, and then what you do is your whole vetting thing anyway, you could just really set, you say you're interested in crypto, like, but what, explain why you're interested. What is your background? What do you know about it? Yeah. If they just, oh, I read a couple articles that are interesting. You're like, you know, you're, you're a low, you're low ranking for this group because you really haven't done anything. If someone says, oh, well, you know, I actually launched and helped launch an ICO and I built this thing and I'm like, you're like, oh shit. Okay. So like you actually do know a lot about this. And also they would, you had, you knowing a lot about the space will to help other academy members in your so batch. Then what I could do is I could call the next one Gemini, the next offer Gemini, but Gemini slash crypto, Gemini slash, you know, female founder or something. Yeah. By interest. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. What I really like about that is that it's a quick, it's quick. Like I could do that quickly and maybe, you know, within the next two weeks to a month, get four or five batches that way. Yeah, because, you know... Which is a big deal. Like, I definitely look at some startup ideas and I just go, ugh, like, I, just so interesting to me, I can't even think about it. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure other people are the same way. They're like, okay, like, these are nice people, but, like, five of the seven things I just think are dumb. Like, I, I can't even think about them. You know, they could have that reaction, in which case they're not going to be as collaborative and supportive as they are because they're just not interested in it, right? Well, like, if the, someone comes like to me the about guy a, doing quilting. Yeah, I mean, like, I couldn't care less about it. But couldn't he is get so good. What he's, he's doing dead. is so good. It, it, it's fine. You know, I mean, the reality is, of all the interests out there, I'm only interested in a minority of things that are out there. Don't care about antiquing. Don't care about gardening. Don't care about, you know, I mean, you just <laughs> list a huge list of things. The things that I like compared to things that I don't like is minute. And that's the same for most people, right? So yeah. it's not a knock against this thing. It's just I'm not interested in it, you know? You know, but, in, and that's why it's important to match people with, similar interests you know and so if he's with a uh, with people who are i don't know maybe you put that like in a uh, uh crafting uh or creatives you know uh this is all about a uh, 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 crafting and creatives um batch or something then they're all going to kind of like get jazzed by what one another doing and it's help inspire one another makes you wonder should you have like post batch realignment reassignment you know yeah, you can always put, but yeah. yeah. Well, that happens like, um, you know, when people go get a PhD in a subject and they have uh, an advisor and they switch PhD advisors and they realize that they're with the wrong advisor and it's like not quite the right field. They want to they want to move to something a little different. Like, ah, eh, it's a little theoretical. I want to move more in the experimental space or I'm kind of been doing physics, but I'm really more into sort of like a more computer science take on this stuff. So and, then, and so you realize if you have the wrong mentor, which is kind of like having the wrong batch, it's better rather than just forcing it through is go be, find something that's a better match for you and people switch majors in college right you know, and, we have and like things. let's say let's say you get to the point where you've got you know 10 people on stage nine who are doing artistic type stuff mm -hmm. and you move them all together into that new batch like they are seriously going to be able to help each other out yeah well they're like, yeah. because with marketing and all the different things that they're doing yeah, they're gonna and they're gonna be excited to talk about each other yeah oh wow you're doing this oh cool this is what i did oh yeah yeah so they're gonna just gonna get you know as long as they're not doing the exact same idea, you know, yeah. which is going to be rare that people are yeah. be doing the same idea, they're going to just have fun. And they're probably they're, the chance that they're going to become friends, not just people who are helping, you know, someone on a forum, but actually friends is much higher, I think. So this discussion, uh, the reason why we're so we're, I'm working with Jason as well to help him um, to, to mock up his, theory. his startup. <laughs> 
but but <laughs> very worse. I told I told I told you to bring over the. Um, you told me to bring the recording. Bring recording stuff. because what happens is every time we hit in a conversation, we record. It's like our most. It's the best conversation we've had in months, and it's just and we, we don't have the recording. It's stuff like there. that was stupid. So like, all right, just bring the recording equipment. Put it on the table. Whenever we're not doing the mock-up stuff, let's just put the headphones on and we'll just kind of talk about stuff. And well, you also said if you've got the bug to talk about something, let's talk about it. Yeah, which you did. I could just I tell you were about to burst about nugget. You're like, <laughs> like you would show. You're like, yes, I want to talk about nugget. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> otherwise, we're in mock-ups. You're like, well, let me just tell you this one thing. Or let me just show you this one thing. You yeah. know, so like, get it. You got to get it out of your system a little bit. Do we have enough time to do mock-ups now? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have to because go we could just wrap up this. We could just keep on going with the podcast. Let's, let's just, let's do mock-ups now. Let's take a break. Okay. Let's take a break, and we'll do mock-ups. I mean, do you have to go somewhere? No, no. I don't no. have anything to go. I don't have anywhere to go. No, oh, that's let's fine. Just, let's just, hang on, let's do mock-ups. Let's just whatever. All right, all right. That's the end of the a day at Jason's. Day. <laughs> a day at the Pasadena Palace. <laughs> that's the end. The end of the nugget section. That's uh, nice. All right, so we've. Done a few mock-ups. Done a little bit of Yeah, well, that was extremely helpful. So I really appreciate you spending this time with me. Really. Thanks. Awesome. You got skills, man. Oh, man. Yeah, so I'm trying to think, like, how do I classify your skills? Part of it is you got to, you got to, uh, I mean, obviously you got a design sense. You have a UX sense. You have, like, a, just a general product. Like, what are we trying to do? How do we, how are we communicating to the potential customer, how who is the customer, all that kind of stuff. But you also have a get shit done approach. So um, it's really a powerful combination, you know, because it's like Thanks. there are people out there who are going to be better designers. There are people out there who are better at marketing. There are people out there who are better, who are UX. And who, you know, if someone is, all they do is UX, right? They consult with major companies and they have all these tools and methodologies and stuff. And you might say, well, yeah, those, those are like true UX experts. But it's the combination of pulling it all together and then just doing it all in like a few hours, <laughs> right? Something could have take weeks or months of meetings and mock-ups and breakdowns and mappings and discussions about what brand and what's the message of customers. Yeah. We, we kind of have this, and this all happens really, it goes bing, 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 bing. And it's like, okay, that was a seven-minute conversation or a 20-minute conversation. It's like there's there's a benefit to being a master, you know, jack of all trades and master of none as, but you just have to really stick at it until you become actually, I guess, good enough, at least good, good enough. Good at a lot of those. Traits. Yeah. Yeah. Sufficiently competent at those things. Right. If yeah. you, if you really have no design sense and you really don't understand, uh, how to message, how to word things, I mean, then it all just kind of falls down. This, I don't know if you remember, but like, this is kind of why I was so excited about working on Plugio in the first place. It was one of the things that I kept on saying, like, I want to be like that guy who works every aspect of the company, every part of the company, and then he becomes CEO. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's only by work. That's what's so beautiful about building your own SaaS app. You get to see all these different things and you wear all these hats. So. Yeah. So, so one of the reasons that I think our... Uh, you know, I, I well, I think our, our podcast works <laughs> is because something about how we communicate, it always causes me that it's like, I agree with you, but then there's always like, I don't know, that's not true. And so we do, oh, but, but, but it causes all of this back and forth, which helps reveal the truth. 
for yeah. me. Like, okay, because you'll and 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 like you said this whole couple times, like you said something, I'm like, nah. And then we go on a route, and then I'm like, nah. You know what? You're right. You know, that's that's that has happened a few times in the mock-ups where like you say, okay, I want to do this, and I'm like, okay, let's do this, and then you're like, no. And then we go through and, and you say, let's do it this way. And I'm like, okay. So we do it We do it that way. And then we're like, okay, let's just do it the other way. Well, yeah, because you, <laughs> because you have to like explore the space. And then yeah, you realize right. that the trade-offs are not positive. That the, ultimately the reason, the, the initial reasons why I wanted this other way are not strong enough to overcome the downsides. And you don't really quite realize the downsides until you get into it, yeah. you know? And, you know, I'd, I'm always willing to change my mind. I change my mind all the time. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, oh, I was wrong about this. I was wrong about that. I'm constantly editing and iterating. And so anyway, but that anyway, I, I just feel like, so if I was trying to do this on my own, well, here's the problem. When I'm trying to do this on my own, I get, I'm working on it and then I get unsure and then I start procrastinating and then I start doing something else because I can't decide what I want to do. I can't decide on the trade-offs, right? Yeah. But because we're doing this back and forth, it sort of forces out a decision that I'm happy enough with. Yeah. All right, let's, yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. I don't go off and start reading Hacker News or returning emails or doing something else because I kind of am stuck in this phase of, uh, in this space of indecision. So just for, for the listeners, like the kind of stuff that we're talking about are like, we're we're doing the homepage and we're and then we're saying, okay, can they get a free account and test it out, or do they need to pay, you know, or is it a combination of both, or do they need to like get a you know fourteen day free trial? So we kind of those are big questions that like need to be solved. What's the name of the button? Do we do a pop up here, or do we get another page? Or what different? I mean, if you think about it, there were about fifty decisions that were made major decisions with lots of small decisions that, but they were made rapidly like in an, in an hour we've been doing it right? well and some of them were like okay let's just do that and some were, and a lot of them were like we made a decision and then we changed it in 10 20 seconds later some we came back five minutes later as we made yeah. change other decisions but it, there were a lot of decisions that were made very quickly big decisions decisions that like are like major business decisions yeah <laughs> and that's that's the reason why you're saying like normally like with a board of people it's like it does it takes a ton of people see here's the thing though it's like um if i'm just trying to figure out how this works but it's like because i have respect for your insight on these things if i think something might be true and you're like yeah it's definitely true then i can live with it Mm -hmm. right if i think it might be true but i'm not sure it's easy for me to go i just don't know and then i just i and because i'm frustrated and i'm and you're scared to make a bad decision right underneath the ultimate it's a fear that you're gonna you're not sure that uncertainty is like uh the uncertainty and the indecision is because of fear of making doing something wrong that's why consultants are so great yeah it really it really helps move things along and the other thing too is I'll, i notice that i'll i'll get stuck at multiple levels of work. So there's this very high level of like, what sh what's the design gonna be or what's the site gonna be? And then it's like, well, how many implement or what page? And you start going further down and you're all up and down the stack of decisions of granularity. So many decisions to make at every level. And then what I end up doing is I get stuck at one level and then I get distracted and, and then I distract myself by going to the next level down, the next level down. And it's like, 
you're up and down the stack, but you really need to stay at one level. You need to stay at the highest level and figure out all the big, make all the big decisions yeah. first. Yeah. And then um, if you allow, but it's easy if you get stuck at the top level because you can't decide. And then you start going messing around with the technology level decisions or I don't, whatever it is. You yeah, just, you definitely shouldn't make decisions at the top level based on technology. You got to make that top level stuff. And anyway, this this whole process of back and forth really helps um, circumvent that, prevent that from happening. Appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I find it's this is really valuable. So, um, yeah. you, you said you wanted to talk about something. Um, oh, well, I want to give. I just want to get an update on the Operation Superhero. Oh, nice. Because yeah. it's so I took a two week diet break after being on. An, a caloric deficit for about seven months. I mean, I I would do um, do a cheat day once a day. I mean, once a week, every Sunday. So it wasn't like it was a seven-day week cheat, but I was effectively on a diet for seven months. Yeah. And I was really kind of stalling out for like three or four weeks, and which was getting frustrating because I was I triple-checked my caloric intake and, and the amount of uh, calories I was burning, and it, it wasn't wasn't making sense because I was at least at a 500 calorie deficit per day, which should add up to about a pound, a losing a pound of fat per week. Yeah. Because a third pound relates roughly to 3,500 calories. Um, so I eventually, I started doing some research on it and it turns out that if you stay in a caloric deficit for too long, your body sort of normalizes it and it, and it becomes more efficient in burning its calories. Yeah. And, um, you know, something to do with hormones and whatever. So bottom line is, the, the, the hack is take a diet break. <laughs> and it's usually about two to eight, 10 to 14 days of just go eat at or above your daily, well, your total daily energy expenditure, your TDE. So if you if you burn 2,500 calories a day, you know, eat 26, 2,700, 2,800 calories a so day. So don't go, it's not hog wild. It's not like a cheat day. No, it's don't go hog wild, but just you can eat some cheap foods if there's some stuff you want to eat eat it yeah. don't but don't be a pig about it you know just um but oh make sure you eat at least what you burn you need to reset right you can't be starving Got it. so you're just telling your body we're not in caloric deficit mode anymore you kind of trick your body into getting back to normal so i did that um oh and was, by the way i found some, there was some research that showed that they had two groups one group did a they were on a, um, it was like a, I think it was 16 weeks or 15 weeks, something like that. No, 16 weeks, they did uh, a diet with no breaks. And the other one did, uh, it was like 32 weeks or something every, and they would do two weeks on, two weeks off. Hmm. So total number, total number of weeks of dieting. The, the, the group that did the diet breaks lost like 50% more fat or something like really? that something like that also a year later they had regained like 80 or 90 percent less fat or something like that wow or say the or the ones that was not a diet break regained 80 or you know something like that gained a lot more regained a lot more fat and it's probably because for one the people who were on the diet the whole time like they kind of screwed up their metabolism so their body got really efficient so when they finally went off it they're you know, their body is efficient. They're, that, they're eating more yeah. food and now they're storing fat and their body, is, their body starts putting on some fat. Also, I think what might be the case is that if you know that you can do two weeks on, two weeks off, it's so easy to, to say, okay, well, I'm just going to keep kind of, 
I'll be on and I'll be off, right? I can maintain it for yeah. long periods yeah. of time. Yeah. It's- yeah, that's, yeah. I totally get that. So that's how I managed to, to give up smoking. I was just pretended, oh, yeah, I'll be able to have a cigarette in a week. Yeah, which you know it's not forever. Yeah. You know, it's the problem is people go on diets, it's like, well, you can never have a piece of cake ever again. You can yeah. never have pizza. People are like, you know, it's just, it's so bleak, so depressing that you can that you just can't do it. And, and it's ultimately unrealistic. So um, that's why cheat days for me work well, because like I can be really good for six days. Intermittent and- fasting is supposed to do the same thing where it's supposed to not affect your, um, your uh, metabolism. Yeah. I know a lot of people swear by it. I personally would find it difficult because I'm hungry in the morning. Well, um, I tried doing intermittent fasting and it just it just makes me eat more because when I'm super hungry, I'm like, oh, I want to eat a lot. Right. And then you really go yeah. overboard. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd i rather eat a little bit throughout the day, eat smaller meals Great, and just yeah. never really get hungry. I mean, they're, they're friends that I, of mine I, who have, have told me like when they're hungry, they kind of like the feeling of being a little hungry and they're like more focused. It doesn't work that way. When I'm hungry, I'm unfocused. Yeah. I, I'm, every second thought is I got to get something to eat. Everyone's different, right? Yeah. You, just... I think it's just, yeah, you really got to find something that works for you. But one thing I did, I, I think I believe now after the research I've been reading is, you know, people are always talking about eat this kind of food or eat that kind of food, you know, low carb, low fat, low sugar. You know what it ultimately comes down to? It's the caloric deficit. You can yeah. eat pretty much whatever you want, unless you have some type of sense sensitivity or some kind of other food, food issue, which some people do. If you're, if you're, if you don't, then it doesn't really matter. You can eat sugar, you can eat fat, you can. Eat, I mean, assuming you're eating enough, you know, uh, nutrients, you know, you can do these other things. Yeah. But what you really want is you want to have a caloric deficit. The problem is that eating high sugar and high fat, it's harder to hit stay under caloric deficit because they have a lot of, they have a lot of calories, yeah. but not always. I mean, not, you know, I mean, you can have like a couple pieces of chocolate and it's like a hundred calories or 50 calories. It's like, that, that was not a big deal. Right. So it's like, oh, you know, sugar at all, you know? And, um, so I, I, that was kind of a, an interesting realization for me. Um, cause that was, I was really doing like low carb and, and, you know, it was hard to hold for had dinner because Sandy's just like, you know, I kind of dragged her into this and she's like, we don't get to eat carbs ever again. I mean, what are we eating? It's going to be like broccoli and chicken every night or mm. asparagus. And chicken. I mean, it gets really old having like after no carbs. six months, it would. Yeah. I mean, even after a few weeks, it's just like, uh, can we ever have like, you know, empanadas again? Can we ever have, you know, except on Sundays, it's, it's sort of frustrating for other people who in your family. Um, and so I'm like, now I'm like, yeah, we can have, I can have, we can have rice, we can have potatoes. I just, I'm just not going to eat a ton of it. I'm going to try and keep my dinners under 600 or so calories, 650 calories. I'm not going to have like a 1500 calorie gorge vest. Yeah. So the other thing that I, I start, I, I, I learned is that, you know, they say, well, go and you, you know, you, um, get in the, get, get in the fat burning range when you're doing cardio, you get your heart yeah. rate in this range, you're burning more fat. Turns out that when you burn fat for part of the day, that your body will, will then burn glycogen later. If you burn glycogen now, your body will burn more fat later. Body kind of regulates it. Mm. So it's not, it's, it's just like you can't spot reduce. Like I'm gonna do a bunch of sit-ups and reduce, you know, fat on my gut or I'm gonna do this and re- reduce fat on my, bo- on my butt or something. Your body determines where it's gonna store fat. Mm. You can't, you can't spot reduce. It just is, it's like last on, first out kind so, of thing. So what is the best strategy first on, then? Up. So what I'm saying is, 
this idea that I'm going to do certain types of exercise will be better for fat burning is kind of in, in at the end of the 24 hour period, it doesn't really make much difference. It's oh, marginal. Okay. And the second was like, well, you know, this kind of like epoch effect, which is, you know, like if you just really high intensity thing that like, you know, you'll burn more calories later because your heart, you're, 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 you're getting a state where your body will, con will continue to burn more. And it's actually kind of marginal a little bit, mm. a little bit, but the problem is, is really, really hard. Right. So in other words, you might as well just relax on one of those bikes where you can sit backwards with a paper and a cigar and just do it, take it real chill. Even better. You're right. going to love this. Tell okay. me. So here's the, here, here's the truth. Here's what I believe based on the research I've seen. It doesn't matter how you burn calories. And it doesn't, it doesn't even matter if you burn like it. You just have to be a caloric deficit. You can do it through dieting. You can do it through exercise. Um, it's usually easier to do a combination of both. Okay. Yeah. So after having my Fitbit, I started noticing that I would burn a lot of calories just walking. Yeah. And Which I said to you, I remember saying that to you years ago and you were like, no, I don't believe that. Yeah. I, again, I, I changed my mind, you know, yeah. when I see new, new evidence, I, you know, I'm willing to consider it and, 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 uh, change my mind. Um, so, I mean, Here's the deal. If your goal is to lose fat, I'm not talking about training for the Olympics. If your goal, if your goal is to increase your cardiovascular capacity or something like that, like that's a different kind of training. If your goal is like, I want to learn 20 pounds, I want to burn 20 pounds of fat. You can do it any way you want, as long as you have a caloric, a sustained caloric deficit. Okay. Um, so I started noticing that I, you know, with Fitbit, I, I just, I love having a Fitbit. It's so awesome now just yeah. being able to track that stuff. And so I was like, and I was really getting sick of doing so much damn cardio. I mean, I was just like, I would do, so I would work out six days a week. I would lift three days a week. And on lifting days, I would do 40 minutes of cardio afterwards. 40 minutes is a long time. And on the days off, I would do 60 minutes. So an hour of cardio, mm -hmm. which sucks. I mean, it's really boring. And I even, and I even gotten pretty used to it and I'd kind of developed a certain lot of amount of resilience, you know, I'd be a little hacks. I would do 20 minutes at a time and, you know, it always helps you have someone to talk to and you can kind of grind through it. But then a lot of times on Saturdays, I'm just like, God, I don't feel like going to the gym for an hour and just, it just sounds like hell. So I was like, you know, I wonder if I can just walk. And what I found is that I, I was walking and I would do, I would walk like, if you, you know, let's say like 17, 18,000 steps to 20,000 steps, which sounds like a lot, but when you break it up to a few times during the day, like, oh, I'm going to walk to lunch or I'm going to walk to the gym or I'm going to, when I do a phone call, so my new hack is whenever I have a phone call, walk. go for a walk, put on your headphones, go for a walk. Cause you're going to pace it around the damn house anyway, half the time. Yeah. So just put it on and just put your headphones on and, oh, I got a 30 minutes conference call or 20 minute, you know, just guess what? That 30 minutes is going to be worth like uh, 200 calories <laughs> right there. And guess what? You're, you're, you're talking to a friend or something. You don't even notice you're walking. You're just walking through in the sidewalks. La 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 la. You know, <laughs> whoa, that was free 200 calories. I went burning this past week, an average of 3,700 calories a day. And that was, and a lot of that was through walking. All of it's through walking. I'm not doing any more cardio. I lift three days a week for an hour. But you know and what? That's it. You know what else I've heard um, is well, not that I've heard. We had Doug McGuff on our show, who was basically saying that like cardio basically 
puts wear and tear on your body. Yeah, so that that is true. Depends on the cardio you're doing. Like cycling, not so much. You know, running does, right? Jogging does. I mean, over time, you know, you run a lot. You you get you can have you can wear and tear on your knees. I mean, anything you do that has any sort of um, any level of impact. Yeah, you're going to wear and tear to a certain degree. But um, I mean, people who do a lot of running, I think over time develop issues yeah. quite often. Um, not always, but um, anyway, walking is like not going to cause any problems, yeah. right? Um, so anyway, that's my experience. So I've been doing it for a week where I just said, all right, no more, no more cardio. I'm going to do a one-month experiment. All I'm going to do is make sure I burn minimum of 3,500 calories um, per day. I'm going to try and eat about 2,600, which actually 2,600 calories is a lot of calories, right? I mean, that's – most people are like when they're thinking of a diet, they're going to 1,500 calories, you're going on like your 800 calorie, 12, you know, yeah. diet. I mean, a lot of people would say like, I mean, it depends on obviously females are, it's going to usually be a lot lower. If you're not a large person, it's going to be lower. But, you know, um, if, if I don't do anything, if I'm just kind of like, if I, let's say it's a Sunday and I say, I'm not going to exercise at all. And I lie around most of the time, just watch, re, you know, reading or watching TV, I'll burn like 2,300 calories. Um, if I'm out, you know, just kind of, if I don't work out and I have kind of a semi-active day, maybe 20 700 calories a day but if i if i um just walk i actually can burn like another thousand calories which is kind of incredible so what i've been doing is i'll do like a walk well one of the things i do is when i, I when i would go to I, I always go to lunch because i since i work at home i don't want to sit around the house i have to i have to get cabin fever i don't like so if i go to Pollo loco for lunch i don't go to Pollo loco i park next to garfield park and i walk maybe half a mile there nice and I walk back, I mean, I don't even go half a mile. It's like, you know, 10 minutes or something. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd be the kind of, I'm not even 10 minutes, but it's just like, I, I burn like an average, a couple, a couple thousand calories just going bare. And it's like an, an, an unnoticeable distance. <laughs> and then I walk to the gym back and forth. And then um, that's, tw that's 20, 22 minutes each way, which is kind of like, a, you know, it's like a nice walk. And then I, and then I'll usually do at least. That's on the workout days, right? Every day. Well, I go every day. I, even on my off days, I you go to the gym. Drink. Oh, okay. So what I do is even on my off days, I go to the gym and I just stretch just to have somewhere to walk to. Huh, okay. And, and I, I kind of need to do, I've been doing like some mobility stuff, some like roller, foam roller stuff on some really tight spots I have. And rather than sitting around the house, because I like to get the hell out of the house. Yeah. I'm like, I'll just walk to the gym, which is a really nice gym. It'll give me a reason to walk somewhere, walk back, listen <laughs> to a podcast. I'll go and roll and stretch for half hour, 40 minutes and walk home. That's cool. Anyway, so... This is going to be, this is going to be a, if this works, which it should, I mean. I should do it. You should do it because it's just walking. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that, I like it. Right? Just go for it. It sounds like a hack to me. Well, if, the problem is. Though, I, know, I did notice on the day, so we, we, I told you we did that walking um, challenge for Modern Teacher. And, you know, on that day I did 25,000 steps. You know, it was a fair amount of, of time input. But what I did notice was that, like, my blood sugar was amazing, you know, um, and I certainly felt like I'd done something. Did you walk at all at one time? Or is this throughout the day? Throughout the day, yeah. Yeah, so I, if you break it up, and especially, so I think hack number one is you break it up. Like, if I had to walk, like, for an hour and a half, I'd be like, damn, <laughs> you know, I mean, that'd be brutal. Or even for an hour or 45 minutes would be a brutal walk, unless you have a phone call to make or if you're listening to like an audiobook or a podcast. Yeah, yeah. 
audiobooks and podcasts. I mean, nothing beats a phone call. I mean, I swear to God, I've, I've been phone calls with Phil for like an hour and <laughs> 10 minutes. I don't even, I mean, it's just like nothing. You're right. We're having a good time. We're joking around. I look up. I just burned 7,000 Is Phil calories. walking? No, he's sitting on his he's sitting fat on his ass boat. in Chicago. <laughs> Meanwhile, I burned 7,000 calories. <laughs> I, don't I, burned, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 um, I walked 7,000 steps. That's so awesome. I think what I saw, you could go it on a calculator. So like it, depending on your weight and your speed of walking. So for me, let's put in 195 pounds, give or take, um, throw in uh, at a normal walking speed. I think in 20 minutes or 23 minutes, I burn like 125 calories, which is quite a lot. And now if you say, well, if, if all your exercise was, if you say, well, I'm just going to walk, like when I'm thinking what you're talking before, like you're going to go on a 20 minute walk and you're burning 125 calories. I'm like, dude, it's not going to be enough. It's not, yeah. you know, but if you walk throughout the day and you accumulate, you know, 500 plus calories above what you eat, you're going to lose a pound a week. That's the, that's the, that's a good plan. So, and the other thing I was going to say about it is that, um, there was another study which talking about that, and I think there's more one study that, that makes this point, is that if you only have like a 10% deficit, caloric deficit, you really don't lose much weight. But about a 25% is where the sweet spot hit where you really lose a lot of weight. And I think, you know, so it's usually between 25 and 33% caloric deficit. You don't want to go too far below that, otherwise it's just not sustainable. <laughs> but 25%, you know, doesn't even feel like anything. But here's the thing, one... Even though I'm burning, like, and I, I was this week, I've been burning like 3,700 calories, I'm still eating 26, 2,700 calories. So it's still putting me, or even 20, I'm still at a 25% caloric deficit, but it still feels like a ton of food. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still had three slices of pizza. I had a protein shake, and then I had three slices of pizza last night for dinner. And I was like, I feel kind of stuffed. And you're still losing. And I'm still at a 25% caloric deficit because I burned so many damn calories. Like, for whatever reason, it seems like, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a range for where this is possible, but if even if even if I burned a thousand calories more than I consumed, I still ate enough volume and quantity of food that my body was like, that's a lot of food. You know, I bet I actually bet that because you're doing the weight training. So that really, really gives you this really functional health and strength. Yeah. And then the walking is just it's just like. It's just fat loss. It's just calories. It's just, it's just fat it's loss. Just calories. But yeah, the, the 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 yeah the the weight is huge. I mean, that's what makes you strong and puts on muscle and increases your cardiovascular. I guess what I'm trying to say is, if I just did what you're doing without the weightlifting, it probably wouldn't have the same level of effect because I'm sure that the weightlifting builds muscle, which increases the calorie. You know, that's the, right. Yeah, you have all kind stuff. of plus yeah. it. You plus it adds, and the more muscle, yeah, more muscle, the more fat you burn, yeah. the more fat it burns. Um, you know, makes you as increase your uh, bone density. It you know increases the strength of your cardiovascular system. All those kinds of things. But um, and of course, you look when you the more muscle you have, the better you look, right? You can get really skinny, but if you don't need muscle, you look. So weightlifting and walking might be the absolute best plan. In terms of like eighty twenty rule, like I yeah. want to get most of the effort. Like because I know you're always like, I don't want to spend a ton of time. I hate working out. Like you're always like. You know, you're always, <laughs> right? You're always yeah, like, I, yeah. I hate it. So it's like, well, what can I do where I don't have to suffer all the time? And I was thinking, you know, walking might do it. Now, I want to experiment myself to see exactly, this sh should work, but I'm just really interested to see. Um, well, you're two months in now. Well, I'm the walking thing I've been doing for a week. Oh, okay, cool. Well, so, 
So, well, we're probably going to do another show. Well, f- firstly, we'll, we'll be speaking tomorrow. But yeah. after that, we'll probably do another show with it before a month, given the new rate that we're doing shows. So, Right. Well, the other thing I said, the other thing I'm doing, the, the one other thing I do on top of weightlifting in this is because I want to have, I want to be really fit, cardiovascularly fit. Yeah. Is, is the HIIT training. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I only do it. My, my, my leg days are so exhausting. Like I am like out of breath because we do all these plyometric exercises and jumping exercises. So I'm like grabbing my shorts, just like, <gasps> you know, like, you know most of the workout. So that's like a, that is a cardiovascular workout as well. So the only day that I, on my upper body days, what we do is we do like this, um, this bike that has like the fan, you know, this, this kind of has the fan yeah, attached yeah. to it. And it's just, they call it the devil's ride. It is absolutely brutal. And so what my trainer has me do is he goes, all right, do it for 20 seconds as fast as you can. Did I tell you about this? No, no. So so we did it for a three sets. So you did 20 seconds. And I'm not saying, like, when I say fast, you can't, this isn't 90%. This is like every ounce of energy that you have. Yeah. And you pull with your hands back and forth, you press. Yeah. And so initially he said, he said, I got 120 RPMs, you know, over the 20, it was my peak at the 22nd, within the 22nd period. And he's like, wow. He's like, I've never seen anyone get a, over 117. That's incredible. And so then I'm like, you know, then I'm getting all competitive. I'm going to beat it, right? So then I end up doing 130. And then like a couple of weeks later, I did 140. And like more recently, I did 142. And, um, but I swear, like after I've, even after doing one, I'm like literally seeing stars. I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like collapsing. It took me, so the last time we only did two. We only did two sets of 20, 40 seconds total. After the first 20 seconds, I was like seeing stars and I had, it took me like four minutes before we could do another 20 seconds. I was like, dude, just give me a minute. I'm like, kind of walk, give me a sip of water. And I'm kind of like, he's like, are you okay? I'm like, just. <laughs> so that's it for the week, right? Yeah. And then I did one more 20 second period. It took me 30 minutes before I could leave the gym. He oh, left. I, yeah, that's crazy. He left. He's like, all right, you okay? And I'm like, yeah. Okay. So I sat, so I, I, I stumbled over to the water fountain and then there was like this like bench and I lied down the bench for 15 minutes, just like my heart pounding. And I'm just like, I'm so exhausted that I was like, it was just, I almost felt ill. But then I was so tired that my eyes were almost falling asleep. <laughs> and then after 15 minutes of that, I'm just being like miserable. I walk, I finally walked over to the one of the stationary bikes to see if I get some of my lactic acid out. And I'm just like pedaling it like half a mile an hour, you know? <laughs> it took me 15 more minutes before I felt like I actually could go change shirts and, and walk out of the gym. Wow. 40 seconds. That's how brutal it was. But by doing that, my heart, my resting heart rate has gotten down to like 53 beats a minute or something. That's crazy. So anyway, talk about like, in, in some sense, it is like the least amount of work I could do to dramatically upgrade my cardiovascular fitness. But at the same time, the fact that I was knocked out for 30 minutes, you can see that doesn't actually sound easy. Well, yeah, but at least you don't have to work for that 30 minutes. You're just like recuperating. Just recovering. Yeah. But I mean, I, I was telling Carl, I was like, you know, maybe I could get like 95%, you know, I mean, like I, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind if I'm like exhausted. Well, for stop trying to beat your minutes. record. Like, cause that's why you're going to push it over the top. You don't want to explode. Yeah, I know. I just, he, well, he knows that I, I'm, I'm too uh, overly competitive. So that's how he gets me fired up. Cause he's like, <laughs> let's see if you can be 142. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I just that's like, hilarious. you know, so, uh, Anyway, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how um, all this works. Oh, another thing I was to say is the, um, 
is the uh, weightlifting is going really well. So I'm like, now we're, we've been strength training, like actually building, you know, actual strength and not just lifting. And it's, it's so much fun every time I go on and being like five pounds stronger. You know, it's just like, because, you know, I mean, me being a numbers guy, you know, it's like, you know, oh, I feel like I'm getting in better shape. It's like all these kind of nebulous evaluations or assessments. It's like, how much can you bench press? How much can you deadlift? How much can you squat? Like that's, you know, this is the number. And then you, but if you can move that number, you get stronger. And guess what? When you get stronger, you put on muscle. And when will you be able to dunk? <sighs> that's an interesting question. We've been working really hard. So now, so I've been, the box, my, jo my box jumps have increased dramatically. I'm over, finally over a hamstring injury. So we're going to test uh, next week. To see really? my standing vertical. I, I have this, we have this vertical. Oh, your standing vertical, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll kind of see where I'm at, see how many inches I've put on. I, I think, I mean, I still got to probably lose at least 15 more pounds to be. What was the best you got to before? Was it like, was it 15 inches or something? My like one, my, my one step approach, I got about 31 inches. Oh, 31, pinch, wow. 31 inch vertical, which is okay. You know, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, not high enough to dunk i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to get like a 40 39 40 inch vertical which is you know, extremely high especially especially for someone who's uh you know over the age of about 32 <laughs> <laughs> which i am by a margin so um yeah and it's exciting i mean i'm it's you know I, again i can't say enough like having an audacious goal is incredibly motivating so we, on target. we have one hour 37 on tape. That, is that a show? Because I, I want to talk about some other stuff tomorrow. Yeah. Let's throw in some other stuff tomorrow. Okay, throw in some other stuff tomorrow. Okay, nice. We got a few All things. Right. Okay, cool. All right, well then, in that case, that's not a wrap. And you will hear us in another few seconds. <laughs> so you wanted to talk about, you've got, you've bookmarked two things you want to talk about here. And um, let's, so I'm going to say them both and then we'll get to them each. So first one, Scratch. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I thought our listeners might get a kick out of this and you might get a kick out of it. So <laughs> Colby, um, you know, he's a freshman in high school. Mm. He just finished his the third week. They started really early, mid-August. Mid um, and he opted to take a zero, an optional zero period class um, so that he could take, which allows him to take an extra class, right? It, yeah. And he, he took PE in zero period, um, which means he has to show up there at like 6 45 so he and sandy are waking up at like 5 50 in the morning whoa i am i'm not awake i i, I don't even you have nothing to do with that i have nothing is... to do with that i'm barely waking <laughs> up i'm barely getting out of the shower by the time the girls are leaving for the day at eight you know yeah <laughs> so um anyway he did it for the purpose of taking a second computer science course so he's in this something called Matt, uh, app academy yeah which is a four-year uh I, I mean, I wouldn't call it computer science. It's more like, uh, th think about if like one of these um, coding boot camps. Yeah, so Learn it's, it's going to teach you to HTML, make an app. CSS, right? build mobile apps, build web apps, yeah. all that kind of stuff. You know, a little bit of computer science, but I don't think they're spending a lot of time, you know, discussing the pros and cons of shell sort and radix sort and, mm -hmm. you know, different types of uh, data structures. Um, although I think they do some of that. Um, but... Colby opted to take this computer science course. I had nothing to do with it. You know, yeah. like I, I have not really been pushing the programming thing at all. Um, in fact, he took the summer, 
he didn't want to do this math program that we put on for math academy um he was just kind of like eh. he's like no i want to take programming courses and i'm like oh really? okay okay yeah you know and so and last thing i'm gonna do is force him to do do something you know I, that's usually bad so um so he took uh three java courses he took um they termed it like intermediate and advanced java which means he understands he could create classes and do inheritance and polymorphism you know kind of at that level you know which is pretty good yeah i mean it's by no means advanced java uh, you know in terms of like an ex advanced or expert developer but for a, you know that's you actually have to know your way around coding if you're doing that um so Anyway, so he signed up for this intro to computer science course. Um, and, you know, of course, every day I'm asking him, so what's going on? Uh, you know, and I, when I, like, pick him up from football practice or we start, we have a conversation about it. And he's like, yeah, we're just doing scratch. I know. Oh, and I'm like, what? Did I tell you this? You did. You did. Did, I tell, did we talk about that on the show? The we, well, show? no. Th and this is the reason why you don't like to not record every conversation we had. You did tell me this? Yeah. So, um, and so he's, I guess... It, it, so I guess what he did, so Colby went up to the instructor and was like, um, you know, can I, can I do something more advanced? And he's like, well, you have to show me you've mastered this first. And so <laughs> this was after the first class period. And he showed him the certificate of the 25 lessons. And the guy's like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even now, third week, like most of the kids are still on like lesson 20 or something. And so Colby's been... Um, you know, teaching himself, uh, he's been working on JavaScript and CSS for the app that he's building in his uh, App Academy class. So wait, that is a, this is App. This Academy? is Intro to Computer Science. Oh right. Okay. And in App Academy, well, App Academy Two was really slow for him because uh, you know they were just teaching him like how does the internet work, what is binary, you know, how to count basics. It's interesting. Like that. There's like that, like that. If you know too much as a student, it's a bit of a Painful. A bit of a pain, yeah. Well, I told, that's what he wanted to take these advanced Java courses. A part of me going, oh, that's awesome. The part, and the other part of me is like, I don't know if it's such a good idea because he's just going to be, I mean, he's already much more advanced than what these other kids are going to be. And it's just going to be that much more pronounced. And I'm not sure he has this sort of um, social ability to restrain himself from becoming across as annoyed and bored and right, right. arrogant or something like that, in which case get on the bad side of the teacher. You know, he's 13. You know, I already know this, right? I mean, it's a kid. They don't, they're not great at, at yeah. being tactful about these things. And so I was like, all right, Colby, just, you know, be cool. I'm like, what are you doing in the class? He's like, I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one thing to point out is like the reason why Scratch is so, for Colby, like so, you know, oh God, it's because it's just drag and drop programming basically. Yeah. Yeah, for people who don't not, know, I think most people know that, but in case they don't, right, it's just drag and drop stuff for, you know, usually it's like littler kids, I think, right, like, right. you know, any from like seven, eight up to like maybe, maybe you could do, tw you know, 12 or 13. I think it's kind of silly to have high school kids doing scratch. It has its place, right? But it's just, for Colby, it would have been when he was like seven. I mean, you know, and you, you, I mean, you and I taught him JavaScript and right. all this stuff back when he was in fourth and fifth grade, so. And is that seven? Uh, right. No, that was probably like in eight nine or something like that. Okay. I guess yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, eight nine ten. Um. So anyway, I just thought I was just like, I was just shocked that they were doing that. You know, I, I was just like, what the hell? Why wouldn't they just start with like you know basic like a, a like an actual text programming language? I, I don't know if there's a whole lot to be gleaned from you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old kids by dragging doing a drag and drop programming. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? 
No, I, I, I mean, well, I think that anyone who's, anyone who's, who, who knows nothing about programming, it's great to then use something like that. To so get you some, think it is useful? If, if just, just to get you over the mental understanding of knowing nothing. Remember the very first time we taught the kids programming. What, what did you do? You got envelopes. You got a stack of envelopes and you wrote some text and you put the paper in the envelopes and you said, this is what a program is. And that's how you taught them the basic core mm -hmm. concepts. So I think Scratch is good for that, right? Just to get you over the mental <laughs> mental hurdle of what the, what is a program, you know? Yeah. But, but then you can start moving into code real quick. There's a difference between a fourth grader and a ninth grader. You know what I mean? You think just get them straight into the text? Well, you know, because I was talking, I used to be friends, uh, um, I am friends with a guy, Eric Dreher, who used to, he used to run App Academy for mm -hmm. years. He's the one who started it and ran it for years. He's no longer, he's off doing, he has his own uh, AI consulting firm. Um, but he, we'd have conversations about this. Really smart guy, Caltech, you know, all that kind of thing. And he said, um, he said, yeah, the, the, the studies and, and the experience they've had, that they've had no benefit to doing Scratch and then doing JavaScript or something else. In fact, it turns out to be a hindrance because the kids become too dependent on it. Like, oh, it's just so much easier. I could just do this. And they just can't get over it. You know, it's like, look, guys, we're not, you can't drag and drop stuff. You actually have to write code. Oh, that, that makes sense. But I, you know, whatever. That's what he. That's what he told me. Anyway, I just thought it was so silly that they were doing that. Not, you know, in that uh, at, at that at that level. I mean, but now, so now Colby is doing. Um, uh, you know, he's like building like uh, what's he say? He's building a, a slideshow in JavaScript from I mean, scratch. That kid's gonna be ready to do physics engines. What's I mean, that? He, that kid's gonna be no. ready to do. Fi I mean, he knows he knows enough math where like. Physics engines is a, a reality in his in his timeline for sure. I I, I mean I, not yet. Maybe in a couple years. That sounds. I mean, I mean I don't I, know. I, that's so. I mean, th think think about the underlying math he's got, right? I'm not saying he could do a physics engine today, but I'm saying like mm -hmm. it's not that far off. Well, well you know what I you know when I was ta I, I suggested a, an idea for him because there because it is App Academy class. They're basically which what she's doing, which is kind of neat. She says she's allowing kids to kind of create their own homepage and teaching them CSS and HTML and and in in some cases, I guess some uh, I don't know maybe Colby's the only one doing JavaScript, but they can do whatever they want on their homepage, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, there's, there's your about page and this and so you have to and so that's just a great way to learn. You know, yeah. to learn the basics, and um, and I think they're very, they're very much, it's very much a project oriented approach, right? And so Colby, uh, since he's like trying to learn the ins and outs of, of of CSS, and then he's trying to play with the JavaScript. So he's he's creating like a, a an image slide, um, like a, a side scrolling slideshow awesome. kind of thing. I said, I I was like, yeah, I was like, that's good. I was like, it's cool. And I was like, well, how are you? I'm like, are you using a library for this, or are you doing it yourself? He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm like, okay, good. I'm like, look, at some point you will use a library for it, but don't do that now, like learn to Get do to what learn, the hell yeah. is going on because otherwise you'll never learn these people who all they do is they use libraries and they never really know how to build anything real you know they're just so dependent on there was a good pro there was a good link on hacker news the other day god i can't remember what the name of it was but it was just about this guy who'd built everything from scratch he'd built the cpu from scratch he built the entire thing like yeah, he yeah. built he's written his own operating system you know and he said it wasn't hugely efficient but right. at least he'd done that whole thing from the ground up I think, obviously, you, you reach like a, a point of diminishing returns the more time you spend on doing that, unless it's just a hobby. Yeah. But uh, you, you, we've talked about this. I mean, you always made the point, and I agreed with it, that you should build your own framework at some point. You know, before you use a framework, if you built your own, then you really get what the hell they're trying to accomplish. You know? I often wonder that about gaming. Like, 
the guys who are developing gaming, you know, so much of it is just using existing like uh, tools like Photoshop, you know, drag drop stuff, mm-hmm. like to create like. So do they really know how to? You know, do they? Re- it's it's how much do they know about what they're making? You know, yeah. and it must be so frustrating when you hit a bottleneck and it's like. Oh my god, that's like the underlying engine, and I can't. I don't know anything about the engine. I can't get into the engine, and it's yeah. just like the frame rate doesn't work properly. I can't add that many. Yeah, things. it's just a big mystery, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, it would have been helpful to me if I had learned assembly language, but I never learned. There's a certain there's a limit to my knowledge because yeah. I never learned assembly. Agreed, agreed. And I never really got deep into machine architecture. You know, the limit I, I stopped at, you know, learning C. So I learned C and C plus plus. So what my one of the more interesting things that I did, um, I guess in, in, in terms of this context, was I wrote my own cross-platform library that would run on Linux and um, and uh, Windows that would had like, you know, strings and uh Was that the Q, list. the Q thing for What's the, that? Was that the trading Q thing that it was for high frequency trading Q. It was for that back in the yeah, and um but, you know, like writing your own string class in C that can do all the things that you expect a string class to do from an array of characters, that is not trivial, you yeah. know? I mean, you can do a few things, but if you want to be able to append and do stuff and do smart copying and, you know, whatever, I mean, it's it's it took a fair amount of work. And, and then um, and then do the same things with, I built like an entire, like all of the standard data structures, sort of lists and queues and stacks and... But I wonder if like, as technology boards. progresses... Like so, you so you started just above machine code, right? Yeah. So you know, and me too. But the guys who come in today, they're starting at a new level, which is maybe I don't know, just above PHP or something. I don't know. And but they but they go higher, right? They're they're learning more newer stuff that we're never going to approach. So maybe that their band of technology is good for them as an overall thing. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Does that... that sense? Yeah, I mean, I think that it probably... It would have benefited... Just, it would have benefited us to have learned assembly. It probably would have benefited us to learn sort of uh, sort of computer engineering type stuff. Like, really, at an almost electrical engineering level, how the, how the computer is working. Yeah, we only really know it, understand it at a superficial level. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, for them, it would be... I think it's... I think it's great to know the whole stack up the top of the bottom. I mean, you don't have to spend years doing that stuff. But if you've learned some assembly language, you've learned some C, you've built data structures and search and sorting algorithms yourself, you've maybe built different memory allocation stuff. Like, I think you become a much more powerful program because it it, it means that when you do have issues, you can go and just say, you know what, I'm just going to write this myself. You know, yeah. like, I, I mean, there, there I was looking at, I remember... Uh, Amos and I were looking at some um, node library stuff that was all written in uh, C++. And we were really looking at it and, and trying to figure out what's going on. And it was wickedly complex um, with all of the you know templates and stuff they were using. And I'd, that was my native tongue for years. And I was looking at it and I was just like, wow, to, to write one of these libraries, especially a sophisticated one, you really have to know your shit. Um, but if you don't have that kind of background, you could never solve that kind of problem because that maybe you're like, you know what, you know what we need to do? We need to write our own blah, 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 because it'll make our servers 10 times faster. You can't even consider doing that, mm-hmm. right? You wouldn't even know that was an option. That's all magic to you, right? So you just have to deal with, with whatever happened that someone else, happened to. you're totally dependent on what already exists. And then you may not be able to consider that that would be solvable. 
you know, where, Which where, is Amos, the, where Amos actually had the balls to kind of look into the C++ code and go, maybe, you know, and I sat there with him and I was just like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's the first principle stuff that Elon Musk always talks about. Yeah. So, yes, I, I anyway. So Elon Musk being Elon, the other so thing that you wanted segue, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh, but let me just finish the one thing on this topic. So I was talking to my buddy, Doug, um, who's a, he's the one who runs MV Code Club. MV Code Club, yeah. And so his son, Eli, is Colby's age, ninth grade. And he's, so he went through the whole MV Code Club thing and would hang out there all the time. So he's really, really good at coding. He, he knows, he's learning Node and he does, I don't know, he's, he's pretty advanced. I mean, he's mm. more advanced than Colby for sure. And um, so he told, I guess he would, he would like try and build games, but always kind of give up after a while because, you know, building games is very hard that's to, you know to, and 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 uh and he's a kid and so he's like you know it's, it's rather than building a game just play games build something that'll make you money and he's like like what and so one thing he had he had him build was this um cohort analysis tool like an online you would just dump a bunch of data into like an online thing and it will do like an analysis like a like a cohort analysis and i'm like that is because he because he was searching online because you know he's trying to do that for MV Code Club's online stuff. And there's nothing really useful for available for doing that. We're making that easy. This is the conversation that you, you remind me of something, conversation that I had with Georgie. How young could people be to come into the Nuggets, Nugget Academy? Mm. So, so that they could do the whole thing, like the whole piece of like building the market, building everything, building a business. Like how young could someone do that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, so for, for Eli who his goal is to go to MIT, you know, he's really explicit. Even Doug's like, hey, whatever you want to do, you know, and um, he loves coding and uh, maybe he would want to do something like that. But, you know, it's funny. I, I was just saw an article yesterday from Paul Graham who was saying that opening up Y Combinator to high school or college kids is kind of evil because you're prematurely uh, optimizing for something. And this is the time to take to try lots of things out, not be overly committed to things, experiment. Because if that is the worst thing that happens for the thing to work, and now you're just married to this thing, mm-hmm. you know. So I think there is a danger That's to a that. Good point. Yeah. But there's a but there is a difference between getting some kind of funded startup from Y Combinator, and there's two or three of you, and then you just like drop out after your freshman year of college, or drop out out of high school, and you're just all yeah. in. To hey. I got this little online tool. It makes yeah. me seven hundred dollars a month, which is awesome because I can buy all this cool computer. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I told, um, I told Doug I thought that was really uh, a great idea because building something like that probably for for him isn't overly hard. You know, he could probably get something up in a few weeks or a month, um, and he can get people using it, and getting feedback. And I said that become that's a really but exciting- imagine if they had the whole business education as well. Like if they understood a market, like they understood, you know, the fact you needed a niche and like that to have a business, you know, imagine if they, if you, I mean, they would be unstoppable if they knew that by the time they were 15. Yeah. Or even, what couldn't they do? Let's say even by the time of 18, you know, I mean, even if you learned it by the time you're 18, like, I mean, I think Eli's a little bit of an anomaly. I mean, let's say kids who are juniors and seniors in high school were doing stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's perfectly, you know, that's, I mean, if you're, if you're old enough to, to, to hold a, a job after school, you know, doing whatever you're, you know, work at the burger shop or whatever the heck you're doing, you could 
do something like this. Yeah, it's a new level of burger shop. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a it's called it's called Operation Burger Shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um uh I, so I was like I was like, that's a great idea. I was like, well if you have any more good ideas, let me know. I'll tell Colby. Because <laughs> I think that's a great thing for him to work on because you can build something that actually works that people will actually be really excited about and you'll get feedback on it and you get this kind of positive feedback loop going where you're like, okay, now I know what to build next because of all these people asking for it. And then you just have the, and you keep building it. Cause if you're just building stuff and it just gets on your computer and you kind of play, I think get bored of it and then it dies. One thing I told Colby, cause he was playing around with this, like, you know, he's, he's tricking out his, his, his website for app Academy. Right. Yeah. And he's and he's, he's creating this slideshow. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I said, you know what thing you could do? Cause is you could create your own mini version of octave. Octave is a open source version of MATLAB. You mm-hmm. know what MATLAB is? It's a mathematical software. I've heard of it, yeah. So, you know, you can, so for instance, Colby, Colby's taking linear algebra, multivariate calculus right now, right? And so one of the things that uh, the, the, the instructor told them, I said, look, you need to learn to use Octave because I'm going to start assigning some of your homework problems are going to be, you know, require the computer. So we get, we get, it's going to be a large system of equations and you're not going to solve it by hand. And it's really about how do I, how do I look at this, problem and break it into some kind of linear algebra problem and use the computer to help me solve it right and so colby and i sat down and we're going through it and you type in an array of numbers and you know different ways to create different matrices and you can multiply them and add them and invert them and do different things and i was like you know what you should do you should create your own little version of octave just write you know mm. colby's octave or something you know whatever you call it but it's like a but you know it does like two percent of it but it does all the matrix operations because it'll help you you know, it just help you reinforce like how these operations it's work. It's double whammy for math. For, like it helps him with the math too. He's like, yeah, if I showed that to like George and Riley, <laughs> they, they would just be like, what? You're like, you know, which is below my said, But I said, I'd, I'd be happy to help you get, you know, over the hump on some of that stuff. But I was like, that doing something like that. I mean, I don't know if he would do it, but I was like, that would be yeah, a good experiment. I mean, he, he should spend time, like I said, tricking out his homepage and playing around. But it's like having something that's like a, a little slightly meatier yeah project would be what do you think of like him working with with the with other kids on it like collectively working on a project i think it's i mean kids love to collaborate just like adults i mean they they love it um you know but sometimes you know as you know when you collaborate with people all it takes is on one unreliable person and the thing dies yeah you know it's it's almost better to be like we're all working on our own projects and then we're sharing stories and stuff i get a little worried about the collaboration for that if it's just one uncommitted person and it's done so let's talk about elon musk right so this is like so it's scaring me well i can uh, I, yeah. let me just say one thing yeah yeah I, I, it, i'm seeing it. i'm like i, I don't want to see another travis kalanick you know where he makes a few poor decisions he which he seems to have done and, and he made some poor uh some of the things he's tweeted were ill-advised. You know, he's getting, he's punching down. He's kind of behaving a little like Trump in a couple instances. Um, and, you know, you know how the media gets. They can, they, they pile on, right? Because it's easy clicks. You know, for them, it's like, oh, is Elon Musk need to replace? Oh, is, do we need this? Is, is, he, is he erratic? Is he on drugs? Is all that kind of stuff. And then it just starts building momentum, Right. And and that's the kind of stuff that happened with Uber. You know, you had some negative stories, 
you know, there was some poor judgment by some people in the organization. And then every media article that came out referenced every one of those stories every single time. And then it was like, oh, you know, Uber is a toxic, is a toxic culture. And it's like, yeah, that's way overstated. You know, when you have a company that big and you have 10,000 people. Anyway, I'm, I'm like, I don't think it's going to go that far, but it's borderline, you know, with, with, with Elon. What do you think? Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought this up and I, I, I like your analysis. Um, did you read it, the, the book? Elon no. Musk? What, what I feel like is, this is Elon. This is the same guy that was always there. It's just that they're kind of like reporting it more. Like he, he, he's always been um, the kind of guy who sleeps on the factory floor, you know, and makes rash decisions and tries lots of different things out, you know. Like so, you know. So he, for a startup, those are really, really positive traits. Uh, right. Totally committed. Yeah. Try lots of things. Not afraid to make small mistakes. Recover. Go. You know. But one of the one of the kind of defining things about him is he doesn't believe in authority in a way like he ha like if you look at a, a lot of his motivation seems to be like well that's dumb so he then does something different so for example banks mm -hmm. right he's like well that's dumb that's not the way you should do it you know mm -hmm. so then he's like oh, f fuck you i'm gonna do this other thing and it's just yeah. a few lines in the database let's right so i think that that's it's that part of him that kind of rubs up against um you know the, the norm Right. Well, it's not the norm; it's the establishment. The establishment. That's what I mean. The yeah, the well, of course, the establishment doesn't want people to ignore their authority. Right. And the media is part of the establishment to a degree. You know, they're kind of in and out, right? They they, they degree they they're kind of align themselves with the establishment. It depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about New York Times or Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, you know, whatever. I mean, the the sort of the papers of record. You know, they more you know those writers align with you know. The establishment, well, there, of course, there's establishment, then there are sort of political norms and things like that. But, um, I mean, on one hand, there's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, sort of Elon worship because of everything he accomplished. But then, of course, there's the pushback from not doing things the way the establishment does. He's also always been the kind of guy that has crazy parties and that, you know, does questionable things in that way. Like, there's loads of stories like that in the book, you know, and, you know, he's always, his, his uh his partners kind of organize interesting fun stuff for him to do and crazy birthday parties and all that kind of stuff there's lots of stories like that in the book mm -hmm. but just now they're becoming they're they're public like every time he does something oh you know maybe he did some drugs or something like that right i just think that he's just the person he always was but now they're, well, see, they're exploiting it well that's probably true I, I was thinking about this earlier it's sort of like um when you combine success with hubris with high stress yeah. you have these kind of behaviors right so travis and uh, elon who who i compared years ago when we talked about it, i said you really don't want to compete against these guys but they do have a weakness in that when you are that successful and that you and you are that confident and you're that committed then you have that that kind of combination of hubris and uh and oh, and stress Right, so your stress causes you not to think carefully, to maybe act uh, 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 more emotionally about things, get a little angrier, more, you know, um, about things, um, you know, and uh, you know, cause you to be triggered by something, right? 
Um, but then you have the hubris to just be like, I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I want, you know? And the reality is you can't without, not without repercussions. Now you can get away with a lot more probably than the average person. But as soon as you kind of have, as soon as you've sort of fallen on the wrong side of the media, then anything yeah. you say or do is going to yeah. be turned into a controversy and beat upon. They'll build you up. That's the media's game. They build you up. They make you a superstar so that they can get the clicks in the first place. And then they tear you down. Well, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a pre-matter. I think it's sort of like a market, like, you know, like a market goes up and up because everybody's buying. Right. And then as soon as it starts to, something happens, someone starts to sell then everybody's like, Oh my God, everybody starts to sell, 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 sell. Right. So it's like, you know, Hey, there's this amazing person. There's this amazing company. And it's like, build, 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 build. It's like, you know, uh, you know, and, and obviously, some it's more dramatic. The 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 rises and the, the and the, the crashes are, are are more volatile and than some than others. But like, um, you know, so you think about Elon Musk. It's like he's a great story. Like, wow, this is incredible. Wow, spaceships. Wow, Hyperloop. Wow, right? I mean, it's just like an amazing thing, and it's over and over, and people are just like fascinated by what he's able to accomplish. Um, but then then it gets to the point where right, he is really everybody knows him. Everybody's successful, and and then there's certain people who are just like there's a certain reaction I think in the in the human psyche, which is that something of you know obviously the different types of people have different reactions, but some are is jealousy, some is just an aversion to anyone who has too much success or power, you know, um, you know there's there's that kind of thing. But then once there's they do something that's they have a they they make a a, a misstep, right? That's newsworthy, right? Anytime one of these people do something that's stupid or ill-advised, that's a story, right? And then um, people want to read about it. And so someone else says, hey, there's an article. Let's follow up on that. Let's write another article, right? You're an editor for another paper. Let's write about it, right? And then something else happens. And then, oh, my God, it's a trend. And then everybody else writes about it. And then when they write up the other one, they want to, like, emphasize the trend because here I'm writing about this. And, oh, by the way, this is an interesting narrative because he did this, this, and this. And now we have a story and every it's easy clicks. Everyone wants to read about it. I want to read about it. I read about it. I'm like, geez, I'm reading about all this stuff, right? And so it's sort of just, uh, I don't think anyone has this like plan of like, let's build this guy and take this guy down. It's just how people. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I, I think. It's not a plan, but it's just, that's the way it works. <laughs> that's the way it works. That's the way it works, you know? And then. Depending how far, if they crash or if they get sort of a, you know, mea culpa and I'll, I'll do things right now. It seemed like Elon initially did that because he apologized for attacking that. Um, report, guy. The, well, first of all, attacking the report, the, the analyst on their on the earnings call. Right. Yeah. He's like, ah, no bonehead questions, you know, and yep. he kind of did, very dismissive and went to some YouTube, you know, kind of guy it was like a YouTube channel for like you know, apparently a long time. And um, people are like, this is really not professional. This is not how things are done in this environment. And everybody's really kind of, you know, like, okay, the guy's working 100 hour weeks for months and months and months. And he's probably didn't sleep much in the last, well, not only months, but probably he's just, he's sleep deprived, frustrated, and then, then stressed. The drug, and he's just the ambient stuff. Yeah, maybe maybe it's it's augmented by taking some ambient. Who knows? But even if you're ambient, right? I mean, you know, when you, we've had, you've had, had a good night's sleep and you're stressed and things trigger you a little bit. You act out and be like, dude, this is stupid. Oh, oh no. definitely. Imagine doing that for, for, sure. for days or weeks or months and you have 
hundred times the pressure than you and I have ever had. Oh yeah. You know? And then of course he did the, he, he, um, the diver who talked trash about, it. I mean, that guy I, was a, that guy was an but asshole. But I can completely what, see like what this, I can totally understand why Elon would have, I mean, I would have said the same, yeah, it was just, not, not the same, but worse because if if i if if i was thinking to myself okay look i'm going to help these kids get out of the cave i'm going to bring all these people and then it turns out because there's another reason why he should feel a bit dumb about that the actual solution that they did which was just like this gauze carrier is a better solution than this over-engineered solution of creating this big thing so i think he might he felt like oh damn it i really over-engineered that i should have just been doing something really simple you know and I think he felt stupid. Well, I thought no. Wait, they, what was the, what the solution? Is they just cure? They just had the kids swim out with them? No, what, no, where, that's not what the solution what they do? was. The solution was they did something like what Elon was proposing, but they did it with a stretcher and a very, very like a kind of like a light gauze. So the kid was like uh, constrained. They got they they could, I don't know whether they they were inspired by Elon's okay. idea. Yeah. But basically, it's pretty much the same thing, but without a really expensive sub. Okay. So I think he was feeling like, oh, you know. I don't think I say. Here's what I think. Yeah. Okay. You're you're Elon Musk. You get people asking you, hey, why don't you help out? Why don't you help out? And you're yeah. like, you're feeling bad. You're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna help out, yeah. right? I'm in a position to help out. So you get some of your super smart engineers and and managers from Tesla or SpaceX, and they they spend a bunch of time brainstorming this on top of all the other stress you have, and they and they and you're and you're communicating with one of the lead people there. They ask for your help because they literally ask for his help, right? And you deliver something that can work, that was workable. And then some other guy there who's a lead diver, he wasn't running the whole operation. He's just one of a two divers. And he just says, yeah, like it was a publicity stump. I mean, it was this really rude, obnoxious thing to say. It's like, I would have said something like, I'm sorry it feels that way. I'm really disappointed that they would think I was just trying to help people ask. And we put, we did everything we could from our standpoint to provide a solution and, um, you know, uh, I'm really, I'm just at this point, I'm just really happy that, that, that everybody's safe and that kids and my heart goes out to the family of the diver who passed away and left it at that and said, and just kind of made the guy look like a jerk instead yeah. of, instead of doing, I mean, he just played it wrong, but the guy was way out of line. But of course, then by, by, by Elon calling him a pedo guy or whatever, it's just, it didn't work. I mean, now you look like you're punching down and you, this guy is, has some semi hero status by being that. And you, I mean, no. That's just was stupid. But I think that's like stress and Look, hubris. It's an it's an easy mistake think, to make that kind of thing. Remember that one time I um I did that blog post about that guy who copied me. Yeah, you just kind of reacted, punched and down, really reacted, much. and then everyone piled on. Yeah, you can't. You just yeah, you gotta. And that was yeah. So you get emotional. You you act and you speak emotionally publicly. You're usually gonna regret it. Yeah. And I, yeah, and he, he, Elon should have someone like you and, um, Phil? And, and Phil, except you and Phil should have told me not to publish that. But let's forget that. Elon should have someone like you and Phil so that he can say, look, hey, before I tweet this, but, you know, should I put the, I'm feeling kind of mad. Should I tweet this? And then you and Phil can say, no, I think, no, no, These, this is the bad point. Yeah, well, I think we kind of said not to, and not to say it that way. We definitely, there was definitely a lot of, uh, but um, uh, yeah. But the problem is, you think he? he do you think he? Has, the thing he, is, he's when you're when you're that he doesn't have a power like that. Yeah, when you're that successful, you don't have a lot of people in your life who can tell you no. Now, maybe his brother, maybe a couple of his friends, 
like uh, Adeo Resi and these guys who from PayPal who've been with them for a long time could say, dude, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're causing yourself problems. Stop, you know, with close friends. But they can't, they're not there to monitor them all day long. They're doing their stuff. They got their own things going on. They also might not be able to think about, like think about it in the logical way that you would. You know, they might, they might not just have good advice. Well, I, I don't think he's running it by them. Yeah. You know, he, they're, they're off. They're not on the factory floor in Fremont you know, or, or whatever, they're off doing their own thing. They're not monitoring his, they're not his personal assistant. I mean, you know, who, no one can get between you and Twitter. I mean, no one can get between you know, Trump and you his know Twitter. You know who he probably is running it by? His 23-year-old girlfriend, Grimes. He's like, what do you think about saying this? She's, I don't think he asked anyone's opinion. She's probably opinion. like, yeah, I think that's awesome. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think, someone like Elon Musk doesn't ask other people's, he just acts. He thinks he knows and does everything. You know, he's, the problem is, if you're right about stuff 99% of the time, that's great. But when you're wrong and it's really public and you're really wrong because you're emotional and stressed and, and sleep deprived, then it just creates a huge controversy and creates huge headaches for you. So the whole taking the, couple of, the company private, funding secured. Disaster, yeah, what I mean, about that's, that? What do you th what's your thoughts about that? I'd like to hear that. Well, you know, it was uh, ill-advised. I mean, it's like... You know, I don't think he obviously wasn't really under, thinking about the repercussions, right? He's he's really stressed and annoyed by the short sellers, right? And the constant FUD that they're putting out. And he's just like, all right, screw them. You know, screw all these people. I'm just going to take this thing private and we don't have to deal with these assholes anymore. And he's just like, he's so used to just kind of just saying whatever he wants on Twitter. And he has so many people who are supportive of him that he didn't really consider it. He wasn't thinking about it in terms of stock manipulation or anything like that. And... um of course, turned out to be a bigger deal than he realized. You know, I think he, in funding secured, I think he probably had, sound like he had a conversation with the Saudis and maybe somebody else, and they were all like, oh, we would love to. We're totally into this. It wasn't like there was a paperwork, but he's like, yeah, I have funding secured. People said they'd back me. But when you say funding secured, you know, in that context, it means something a little different than a, but you do know, you think phone call if he didn't say funding secured? He'd probably be fine. Funding secured is really what, caused the major i think i mean obviously he shouldn't have done any of it but of like what caused a, maybe cre created a potential legal problem with the sec is that was probably it i mean look i'm not an sec uh lawyer i've just read the popular article in popular press like everybody but that would be my guess but um it's um it's just frustrating to watch you just like you wish i'm like dude you need to just you need to get a coo you need somebody to take some of the some of the pr pressure off you got to trust a few people and you need to like get some sleep and you need to quit. You need to quit uh, with, I would, I would say don't do anything major on Twitter. You see a movie you like, you like the latest video game. Hey, here's a new version of the car. Here's some photos, just positive stuff, light stuff, you know, just keep it there. Don't fight with people. Don't punch down. Don't do shit like that. Cause it's just, I mean, he's, not now it's probably an ego thing too. Now he's pissed. Now he realizes he's screwed up and people say, don't use Twitter. And he's like, screw you. I'll use Twitter if I want kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't want to see another, I don't, I don't see what happened to him, happened to Travis, happened to him. You know, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, Elon has more credibility than Travis and Travis had a lot. I mean, he did a lot of that, but you know, they brought him down. You know, he was brought down really quickly. It was a matter of a few months. Um, Elon would take more 
because what he's done is is even more special. Um, but he could be brought down. How did you uh, react about Travis? Uh, you know, I felt bad about it for him. I was like, you know, um, I, I mean, so I don't remember. There was the thing. He was the blow up in the car where he just told the the head that that dri- the Uber driver was bitching at him and he told him, he's like, dude, you got to be responsible for your own shit, which I think most people in the day would kind of agree with. Like, if you don't like driving this, if that's fair, like, you drive somewhere. I mean, you know, don't. No, I, I think, but it comes across as sort of um, uncouth or unfeeling when the CEO of the company is, 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 you're, is talking as, to the You're supposed like to kind of listen to the people, aren't you? Like, that's, as, as a per- company person, like. Yeah, but a normal person, if you had someone kind of, kind of, complaining about this and whining and just like it's your fault and you're like dude it's it's your life is up to you do what you want take responsibility most people would agree with that you know there's some people who are like obviously maybe feel like people don't have as much agency as is is that but anyway there's a lot of people would not find any fault it's just a matter of who travis was who he was saying it to in the context the fact that it was put on video and then it was put up right then of course then everybody kind of blows up because that was bad. That was an ill-advised thing for him to do. You know, sometimes I think you just like I said, you just sometimes you don't realize what you're saying or doing, how that's going to come across when you know you just caught on video. I mean, there's a lot of things that feel that we've all said and done. If it was caught on video, and we'd be like, "Oh, sh- yeah. <laughs> that was not my best thirty. That was not the best thirty seconds of my life. Yeah. You know, our best ten seconds of my life, and um, are the best." you know, 15 character, 15 words of my life, you know, but there's always, we've seen, we've seen so many people on Twitter just implode, just ruin their careers. It's that's, that's crazy to me. You know, one tweet and you've lost your career. I, I'm kind of, I don't do any social media. The only thing I do is this podcast, but I don't do it. But the thing is like, as, as Sandy says, you know, it's like Facebook is an outrage machine. It's like, who wants, who wants to be on an outrage machine? People are just, you know, they pile on, they get it, you know, it's like, it's not even worth it. I mean, yeah. although most of the people who imploded, you know, made extremely racist extreme, remarks. Extreme, extreme remarks. It wasn't like something you're like, yeah. dude, that's that's not cool. I mean, it was like, are you, you wow. Like, yeah. that is really, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> like know? the what? yeah, I can't remember what they said, but like one time they got on a plane and they just tweeted something just before they got on the plane, I think. They were tweeting about yeah like, some woman who was flying to England, yeah. or, and then she gets off the plane and she's fired, like, fired, lost her job, and there's a big shit storm. This seems like something like every week. There's a Miss America or a cheerleader or a somebody got hired by NASA or whatever. Roseanne Barr. Yeah, well, Roseanne Barr has some pretty <laughs> noxious, uh, you know, opinions about things. Well, let's put it this way, but she's a even even apart from that, she's a huge Trump supporter, right? And right there, that puts you at odds with. Most of the people are, are huge percentage of people on Twitter. Fifty percent. So, um, I, I I received an email last week by um, the author from an upcoming book, uh, the author of an upcoming book called "Can You Learn to Be Lucky: Why Some People Seem to Win More Often Than Others." Huh. Um, her name is uh, Carla Starr. Anyway, she um, she said. Uh, a much belated thank you for your post on the idea of luck surface area. It stuck with me so much that it morphed into the subtitle for the last chapter of my book. I acknowledge you in the footnotes. If you give me a address, I'll send you a copy. That's awesome. That was nice. I said, oh, wow, that's that thank is you awesome. so. That looks surface area, really. Yeah, it, I, I think it found itself in like 
three, it's like third or fourth book that it's been in. Isn't that weird? It's like, <laughs> it's almost like a, it's almost like as if you'd, pay, pu- you know, published a paper or something. Yeah. Like it's, it's turned into like I a I did, major I wrote thing. a blog post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> published a blog post. Which nowadays is almost equivalent to paper. Yeah. So uh, I was, yeah, I just find the whole thing kind of just amusing. It's like, you know, it's just a observation. I mean, we, I think we come up with, you know, interesting observations and things like that all the time. We just happen to have a really, and I, it encapsulated something that was important, I guess, and it had a catchy, catchy little, you know, turn of phrase. Yeah. And so it's just kind of funny. I mean, obviously, has it like done anything for me? I guess it kind of it's a little bit of an ego boost, but it's like it does. In the end, it's like it's whatever. Well, yeah, it's, you already building up your own luck surface area essentially is what has brought you all the good things. <laughs> Yeah. in your life I, I think so that's why I said like surface area how, you know is uh, I would attribute a certain amount of success I've had to that to that concept create, you know that concept um, also uh, I, I guess I showed to you um, Sandy and I were uh, we were covered in a story in our in the University of Chicago alumni magazine about you know math academy which was really cool that's awesome yeah it was is that online can we link to that uh I don't know. I, I, you know, what we could do is I could take like a photo of it. Maybe yeah. just kind of, we can just it's a great, it link to so it. So nice seeing you inside of there in the, in the page. Yeah, it was funny. So like they asked us, so they interviewed us like early in the summer or maybe even like, it was like May or June. One of the writer called and we did like, a, it was actually kind of short. It's like a half hour. And I said, oh, this is just going to be like a little paragraph blurb somewhere. It's not a big deal. And then um, we went back. And, and then we sent him some photos. He said, could you send us a photo or two of the kids or you guys? And so Sandy sent um, this one photo of us, which I hate because I look like an idiot. And I'm just like, why do you send that picture to me? <laughs> She's like, well, I think it's a nice picture of us. I'm like, ah, I hate it. <laughs> and then there's this picture of me with the kids. And so then we're up there at my alumni reunion. It was a 25th uh, uh, reunion uh, in June. And... You know, it's wearing all the quads and everybody's always the tents and the events and all that stuff going on. And this guy goes, Jason. I'm like, yeah. And I thought it was like somebody I went to school with and I had, I did not recognize him. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know. This guy's going to be like, know me and I don't know him. And uh, it's going to be really <laughs> awkward. And, um, but he's like, oh, hey, I'm the uh, photographer or editor or something for the the uh, uh, University of Chicago Alumni Magazine. It's great to meet you. Person. I'm like, oh, hey. And he's like, yeah. And he's talk, we, we talk for a few minutes. He's like, hey, is there, can I take a photo of you and Sandy? You know? And I'm like, uh, sure, let me go find her. And she was like over with the kids or something. And so we get there. And so he takes a photo. And I'm like, dude, I just realized I'm wearing the same shirt as I am with a picture that I gave <laughs> the photo you did like. <laughs> I'm like, come on. You know? Like, that and, just and what did you think stuff. of the photo and the... Is it the same deal? You no, like? no. Well, the photo that they took of it, because they, they took a photo of uh, of Saint and I and the yeah. quads, and I like I thought it was a good. photo. That's good. I thought it was good. I yeah. thought it was a good photo. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I was just like, that's so embarrassing because it's like, does the, does that asshole own more than one shirt? <laughs> and Sandy's like, well, that's what you get because you only own like you only have like five or six shirts you wear. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. I need to get some more shirts. But it was so funny. It's like I had the same blue and white shirt striped polo shirt in every damn picture <laughs> i was like this is like what are the i'm like what are the chances well actually the chances aren't pretty good <laughs> like a one in you know i already have this one shirt and i don't know so uh yeah it was neat though i got a couple friends who from college email me and they're like dude you know <laughs> so that was that was that was fun but um yeah i think that's that's probably i know you got to get going right 
So we can call it a call it a show. Yep. All right, that's a wrap. We're out. <laughs>